question in, which can only mean one thing. Wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Especially if you're wearing a mask. Wear a mask! Wear a mask! Wear a mask. (laughs) DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free thanks to our sponsors this week. Ritual, Brooklinen, and Squarespace. Squarespace! They're bringing the show to you, DLC, of course, the show, all about games and their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles. Also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata. That's spelled with two N's and one T. And I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis. The guy who is wearing a mask, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, everybody. Uh, Big fans. Um, Yep. Yes, indeed. Um, you should see what my wife has to wear every day to go to work. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah, wear, wear a mask. Just uh, It's not hard. Just wear a mask. Anyway. But they didn't uh, tell us to at first because science never changes. So I'm, I'm still doing everything that I was told to do. Everything I need to learn, I learned in kindergarten. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, wear a mask. Yeah. Oh, man. Or stay indoors and play video games. Let's talk about video games. There's so much good stuff to talk about right now. We are sort of in the middle of uh, the summer of games, which is pretty cool. We got lots of uh, juicy tidbits of info. We got big game reveals coming. Still the the trickle trickle of that instead of the big fire hose of E3. Now we get that trickle trickle that lasts all summer long, which is pretty fun to be a part of, to watch. Uh, and we have an awesome guest to talk all things gaming with. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, once again, DLC stands for DM Leonard for commissions because we have illustrator and digital artist, as well as the co-creator of the Mega Dads blog and podcast. Our friend Adam Leonard is back with us. Hey, Adam. Hey, how's it going, guys? You know, we've. I think we've. I think we can, we can, we can't really ask that question anymore yeah. in polite society, right? It's just there's let just me, no uh, good answers to it. <laughs> let me uh, let me pick up your spirits right now and let you know I am wearing seven masks. Good on all I parts of your body, over all of my orifices, and that's it's good. Just, yeah, I mean, you just you just can't be too careful, right? I think that is the wisest choice and Mm -hmm. i don't want to enumerate your orifices but seven is impressive i'm just going to say it right here and right now impressed i don't want to brag but uh there's a reason that i've been married for as long as i have because i have (laughs) an exorbitant amount of orifices (laughs) all right family show family (laughs) show all right (laughs) we're glad to have you back adam yeah you bet uh it's been far too long and let's jump in the show and start the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. That's where you can send any questions or comments you have about the show as well. We love hearing from you. Or you can hang out with like-minded folks in our subreddit. That is 5x5DLC.com. 
cool folks hanging out there talking about the show, talking about video games. But Adam, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Well, guys, I, I hope you enjoyed that little bubble of of optimism with the seven mask thing. So I'm about to bring it down again. Uh, it, it doesn't last very long in, in 2020. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I, I figured there's something that's been happening online that's uh, that's been bothering me quite a bit. And it's in response to the release of Last of Us Part Two and particularly the way I don't want to say the Internet in at large, but a, a certain segment of really, really despicable people have been targeting um, actors and creators from the studio that brought the game uh, because they are unhappy with 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 their plaything. They're they're unhappy with their time of play and what this game turned out to be. And I'm not going to go into particular and specifics about what was said. Um, both because you know that 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 ventures into spoiler territory for the game, which we're not clearly not going to do. Um, but also, it's just about the most horrendous thing I've ever ever read as far as interaction online. But um, the actress Laura Bailey, who is who is a new uh, star to this series, has received numerous uh, threats against herself and her family. Uh, this morning, I saw Neil Druckmann, creative director just the most despicable, racist, homophobic slander thrown his way because people were unhappy with the game. And, you know, there's so much to be said about this, generally speaking, as far as like Twitter goes about how the culture has, you know, everything's delivered with a sledgehammer. If anybody has the slightest opinion, they they go to the extreme. But also, um, you know, there's been a lot of conversation in the video game space about uh, harassment, abuse, and I, th- I think communication and just interpersonal relationships in the video game industry is kind of getting a black eye uh, these last couple of weeks. At least it seems from my perspective. Uh, I'm wondering what your guys' take is on these actions and what the proper reaction should be because both Laura Bailey and Neil Druckmann chose to not necessarily name names, but they certainly were blatant in sharing these comments out for all of us to read. And it's, it's pretty sickening. Where do we go from here? It's a tough thing. Um, Laura Bailey, by the way, um, has voiced many of our favorite characters in video games is one of the best in the business. She's also a star of the critical role podcast uh, and is well, by all accounts, one of the most delightful human beings you'll ever come across. Um, and she, of course, what you're referring to is she retweeted a number of things that she has been that have been directed her way. Mm-hmm. First of all, just the, the sort of logical jump from, hey, you're an actor who was hired to play a part in a video game that uh, you would somehow be in any way <laughs> responsible for the direction that the thing took it, it, just that logical leap is baffling to me on a, on a purely like, you know, if you even take away the inhumanity crassness and vulgarity of what was said, it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it really doesn't make any sense, but also everything you said is true. It is vile. 
beyond belief. And it doesn't matter if it's just a handful of people, um, anybody that, any human being that has ever <laughs> read criticism from, uh, can attest that you can hear a hundred nice things uh, and one bad thing. And the one bad thing is going to have so much more weight, especially when it is this awful, so um, extreme, so extreme, so inhuman. Mm-hmm. And it's just because they can Right. It's just because they can, because there is unfettered access to the people whose names are on the thing. Right. And I think that's kind of like that's where, you know, my my interest in this comes is, you know, we have these platforms that all have supposedly, you know, terms of usage Uh, We and, and we have some of them exercising their right to suspend and ban. I mean, we saw Twitch tossed out Trump uh, for hate speech. And I I really feel like we're at a pivot point where we need to start doing something to, to an excessive degree to, to get rid of this kind of culture because it just spins and spins. And social media is like, it's just a it's just a petri dish, right? Like if if we don't step in, when is it going to stop? It just it continues to accelerate. Yeah. It it does feel a bit like we can't put the genie back in the bottle. Yeah. Um and I don't know what that means. I mean, it it is increasingly it seems increasingly <laughs> difficult to deny the, the idea that Twitter was a mistake. Right. <laughs> uh, and I don't mean to throw the baby out with the bathwater here. Uh, there are certainly things about Twitter that are remarkable and positive and world changing in a good way, but it also definitely, uh, I, I don't know I, I, the amount of information we get at all times, the ability to communicate on a global scale instantly all the time with one another it's, it, it does feel like humans haven't reckoned with, with that yet. Um, and I, I, I don't have any answers. I am uh, chagrined as much as the next person. I know, Christian, you have pulled back quite a bit from social media at large. Um, what is your take on this? Yeah, I, um, so, you know, I do enjoy engaging in civil discourse with people. Um, and so if you have hit me up, you know, and I am slower late to respond. I sincerely apologize, but also for me and my health and my time, I have deleted it off of my devices. I don't have Facebook accounts. I think I have an Instagram account, but it's also deleted off my, I do. I, I posted something about the official last of us podcast when it was first announced, I think. Um, but I use it seldom and uh, I I feel much happier. It, it, it's weird where it's like part of me is like, oh, you know, I want to be informed with the world and what's going on. But then also it's such a small subset of the world that uses it uh, and, and how it uses it. And it becomes its own, um, you know, self-fulfilling prophecy, I think, to some extent of you're, you're, you're seeing the same things from the same people. And then it just becomes a storm. And it's it's hard. It's hard. And, and clearly. Clearly, 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 the vitriol being um, thrown towards creators and actors and, and and people for the entertainment that they create, it, 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 you know, it, it dumbfounds me. Like, 
it's okay not to like things. I've certainly been disappointed um, by things before. Um, I was not a big fan of most of the Wolverine movies until Logan. It's like, you know, okay. <laughs> you know, you can be like, oh, I wish they would have done this story or it would have been this storyline. Could have been cool to see this in a movie. But like to attack the individuals who brought it to life and to made it seems, uh, I don't get it. I, I mean, I legit, I think this full stop. I, I do not understand that what the outcome well, do you think is. that there's do you think that there's maybe you know we just saw the ea uh e3 for lack of a better term presentation their ea play presentation and the big mic drop moment at the end of that presentation is hey skate's coming back why because your comments made it happen right right we see the snyder cut the snyder cut's happening why because a vocal minority on the internet would not shut up about it Mm -hmm. it happened they kept talking about it they kept they kept insisting that it was a thing until it became a thing it clearly was never a thing it was not a thing there was no snyder cut and yet now there will be because their loud voices kept shouting about it right well that's the other side of it is a lot of Companies and corporations and brands want uh, allegiance, for lack of a better word. And they want that strong, diehard fandom where you're a fan for life and it is a, you know, us or them. And I think even with outside of brands, larger, it's like I'm a gamer and identifying with something and creating like-minded groups. And, and brands have certainly tapped into that very well. And the the dark side of that is when the thing that you feel like you have given so much of your identity to um, does something you don't like, it's, you know, people feel entitled or, and right. or betrayed. I think you found something there because I, there seems to be like a shift where um, corporations or studios or whatnot, they're not just selling a product, they're selling like a part of your lifestyle, like with communities and, and brand allegiances. You think of console wars, you know, things like that. When I was a kid, like I wasn't a part of a back to the future community. It was just back to the future came out and that was a cool movie. And then I moved on with my life, but <laughs> so much of everything is so integrated you, into social. Well, <laughs> Did you I move mean, on with your life? I mean, maybe, maybe your life has been all about back to the future ever since. Yeah. I just, I just want to throw that out as a possibility. I, I do have a tattoo of Biff Tannen right on <laughs> my I lower mean, back. <laughs> moving but, uh, on with my life seems a bit strong, <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? It, it, everything is so ingrained and everybody gets so attached to every little thing, whether it's positive or negative. Uh, I often wonder with a lot of the the social culture, if we're just we're too invested in not just what a thing is, but how, but how it came to be. You know what I mean? Like we're all so concerned with what's happening behind the scenes, studio culture and who this actor is and what they may have said in the past, rather than just accepting a product or not, we're all so entangled in everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I think another large part of it is, um, click culture, um, and the types of headlines that get people to read or the types of content that, you know, people will watch and and then how the algorithms benefit off of that. And then the idea that I think is is 
is all part of it intertwined is the, the, the thought that um, it's more about winning or owning other people. And I, I personally think that kind of, you know, whether that idea came from this or not, I don't think this is the case, but like kind of the reality TV drama um, has, has become part of the real world where you're looking for that clap back clip or telling someone how it is or putting someone in their place or, you know, telling it like it is. And, and it's just this cycle of violence, you know, as we're talking to bring it back to where this thing starts. And it's unfortunate yeah. that, um, in my opinion, <laughs> the people sending those tweets don't quite comprehend what the game is about. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Well, but, but I mean, we're never going to figure out these people because they're clearly like, there's no grasp on, like I said, the idea that you would a- attack an actress yes, f- for the content of a thing just on its face is bonkers. Uh, so I, I, I'm much more interested in kind of where this conversation had gone as far as like what, what to do, what is, ha- has happened as a result of community uh because community is is a a bit of a double-edged sword it turns out um i certainly love the community that we have built here on dlc i'm grateful for it i think it's a positive place with a lot of wonderful people i haven't seen that dark side the dungeon run another show i do the community is really one of the most incredible most engaged communities i've ever seen for any piece of media it's extraordinary. They've built shows on their own. They've done things. And, and part of the thing that we do with the Dungeon Run is we are fostering that community. It's about building those people. But what we're building is a sense of ownership, right? They are part of the thing. They are making it with us. Um, and, and to, a, to a, a lesser extent, that's true here on DLC too. You, the listener, is making this with us. Your emails are are welcome. Your emails are incorporated into the show. Things that you suggest we want to talk about. We want to feel like you own a part of the show. And the dark side of ownership is this feeling of, you know, I I get to decide and I don't like that decision and I need to voice my opinion. I'm the one that made this thing a thing in the first place. So if I don't like it, I'm entitled to be heard, right? There's an interpretation of this whole situation with The Last of Us where you could look at it and say the entire point of this piece of art, the first game, was for you to invest and feel something for these fictional characters. And the fact that people do is remarkable it's a remarkable triumph of the depth and level of feeling and connection that people have to digital characters this is no human skin is viewable in looking at joel or ellie right it is a it is you're looking at digital bits yes there's a human voice attached to it but the idea that we can have that strong a connection to uh, a digital character is a triumph. It's a success. But here comes the dark side where someone says, Hey, I care so much about these characters and what happens to them that 
I get to be ugly in my voicing distaste for where you you take it. It's pretty ironic considering the backbone of The Last of Us Part 2 is kind of like a warning about what happens when you let anger and rage blind you and what yeah. that can do to a person. And to see this kind of uh, reaction to that, it's kind of grossly poetic. <laughs> yeah. No, I... I agree it is um blind blind to the thing you're even talking about it seems to me Mm -hmm. but i don't know i don't know i i don't know if that's just what we're all gonna have i mean we were already a decade into this right or more uh and it's just is it just something we're just going to have to accept as part of the world and and people like laura bailey who are open and accessible and listening have to stop, have to be closed and aloof and not listening. I don't know. I I certainly have thought about that for myself, right? I, I I certainly don't want to make this about me, but I've, I've definitely run afoul of Twitter uh, multiple occasions for kind of just speaking in, in a way that was effusive and, and, you know, uh, from a, a, a level of feeling rather than from my heart, rather than my head. Um, and you, you get smashed down enough times. You just go, well, maybe I just don't do that. Maybe I just don't listen or, and I don't speak. So I don't, I don't know what the answer is. It is extraordinarily depressing. I don't know if it's just a feature of the information age, but it certainly feels like, we have too much information yeah. in this age. <laughs> Let's all just go watch Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Let's all not progress past that point. I'm, I'm happy with that. All right. Um, there are lots of other more positive topics. I do appreciate you bringing that up, Adam, though. I mean, it's a huge thing that happened this week, and it is, um, it is really the story of our time. Um, this is certainly one video game example of it, but it is pervasive across all media types across any mass market media um, and across, you know, not just entertainment. It is, it is everything right now. Um, Sports and politics and you name it. It's, it is, it is everywhere. And it is that same thing happening. So, you know, we have to look at it sometimes, but Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? Yeah, we're going to shift gears here a little bit as uh, you know, cause it's the summer of games. I can something, do that if, you want. if that'll help us change gears, let's do it. Let's do Get it. it. Get it. It's, it's perfect. Of games DLC. I'm feeling good. You're gonna get hyped up. Yeah. Wait, what? Oh. I was doing so good there. I was feeling so great, Christian. And then what happened? Seventy dollars for NBA two K twenty one. It's a game that's full price, full of microtransactions. It charges you up front and keeps charging you. It also displays ads. Um. <laughs> and to be hey, fair, man, games are expensive to make. They, so, they are. Yes, we got to dissect this. I won. Full disclosure have really enjoyed me some NBA 2K. There is a very good game in there. Uh, also, full disclosure, big parts of that game really make me angry <laughs> <laughs> and have for probably this entire console gen. But 
it is a very good game of basketball. So they announced their editions of the game. Uh, one, those Kobe covers are, are beautiful. Um, but also yeah, Mamba forever, the, Mamba forever version. It's pretty cool. Yes. And they've always had multiple versions that they, they play the game of releasing versions of the game very well. Also different cover athletes, different editions, different content. Um, so, and, and, and some of that information, it came out that the Xbox one and PS4 and PC versions would be the, as expected MSRP of 59.99, but the series X and PS5 would be 69.99. And everybody was kind of like, Record scratch. Like, yeah, that's me. Uh, <laughs> um, but it's been a long time since we've seen a, a, an increase. I think the last time was the Xbox 360 generation, PS3, where games before then were $49.99, and they got that $10 HD bump. And we've heard and read about how you know games are more expensive than ever to make now. That was kind of the justification at times for um project ten dollar as ea called one of their content edition um strategies and microtransactions and all of those types of other ways to keep players invested in the game keep people from trading it back in but also to recoup the cost it takes to make a game and to you know pay the people that work on it and so i'm curious um adam first question do you like the NBA 2K series? That's just for me to know. Second question, $10 price increase. Let's assume it's across the board. Okay or it's not okay? I think one of those questions is a really simple answer. Uh, I am not into the NBA 2K. I'm not much of a sports guy, period. Um, the second question is a little trickier to answer. No, let's dive into that first. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the idea of games becoming more expensive and kind of, I mean, obviously we've got multi-billion dollar, extraordinary, huge franchises, you know, like the last of us um, that kind of justify we've, we've been heading to this point. This is not a big surprise that we're going uh, that additional $10. However, I think some of the things that kind of give people pause are, you know, the microtransaction aspect of this game, um, one of the big ones for me is what about smart delivery? What about this kind of nebulous transition into the next generation where a lot of these games are getting just free uh, add-ons, I guess, or upgrades to the, to the, you know, you buy it on the Xbox one, you, you get it for, you know, free on series X. Um, that's kind of a weird nebulous thing. And then also there's so much kind of plain, the field with pricing right now uh game pass obviously is like a big a big uh trial you know it's it's proving that the subscription service is the way of the future but also you know you have games like star wars squadrons which is coming out this fall for 40 dollars, and that's like you know 20 dollars undercut of the standard triple a game um so i think there's there's just so much tinkering going on in the industry as far as what people are willing to pay for and how they're willing to get their games that I don't think this is the best showcase game to say, Hey, games are going to be more expensive now. If yeah. that makes sense. No, I, I even made some excellent points. Yes. First of all, back to that first thing about sports, game. <laughs> there's, there's like a ball, right? And you bounce it. You bounce the ball. 
the uh, the first thing we should say off the top, lest anyone misunderstand, nobody wants to pay ten dollars more for for anything, right? Nobody wants to pay more for anything, right? So whatever I say henceforth, know that I'm not, I don't desire to pay ten dollars more for anything. No one wants to pay more, right? That said, every other media type has seen a price increase over the period where video games have not seen a price increase. The idea that there's this weird ceiling price. Uh, Now, granted, we have special editions and all these crazy editions that have been more than $60, but generally added purchases. I mean, that was also new in the 360 PS3 era. Like we had expansions before, but not to the level and I think NBA 2K is a great example of it, of like the amount of money you can spend on that game did not exist before in games. Well, Adam, you know, is absolutely right in saying this is maybe the worst game to start with for the uh, extra 10 bucks, right? Because it, but it's it, hugely popular. I mean, if well, any game you get away with popular. it, it's the only game in town and it's it's always been one of the best. But, but I mean, so many of the things Adam said, I'm just going to underscore because Madden 21, you buy it on Xbox one, you get it on Xbox series X for free. You, this, this idea that all of a sudden NBA 2k is in, in, in a stratosphere all of its own, where not only are the two editions wildly, uh, different, uh, differently priced, like, is the game going to be $10 better on this new system? Is it going to be, is it just going to be some shaders and some uh, ray tracing that turned out? Turned out what, what, is the, what is the difference that being on this new system is going to show? I, I feel like this move, though timed clearly to coincide with a new console generation, is better messaged not during a transition period where, as you said, Adam, half the games are being smart delivered. Half the games are coming out and you're getting free upgrades to a new console cycle. It feels like if you're going to have an Xbox One edition and an Xbox Series X or a PS4 edition and a PS5 edition, it better be $10 different. It's just an arbitrary number at at some point. It sort of exposes itself as being an arbitrary number. Whereas if you have an NBA 2K22, which theoretically doesn't have an Xbox One or PS4 edition, only comes out for the next gen, maybe that makes more sense because it's like, oh, this is the new thing. But I I do have sympathy for this industry. I, I would love to get away from microtransactions and get back to a, just a heftier price of entry. Uh, that's just me. My personal preference is just stop trying to nickel and dime me. Just let me decide if I want to own this or not, and then have the whole game in my in my pocket if I bought it. Um, I don't know if this will happen, if, if the $10 price increase will mean that MK, NBA 2K21 will have fewer microtransactions or be a less um, microtransaction-heavy product. No way. It does seem like a no way. It does seem like a no way. I'm not, I, that's in absence of evidence. That's just how we feel. But I think it's pretty safe bet. But I would uh, appreciate that. And, and like you said, Adam, another great point you made is that we are more in a variable pricing model now for video games than we ever have been. There are more AAA games that are being put out 
in lower price brackets than ever before. And maybe the $70 thing won't be the norm. Maybe it'll be for this sort of rarefied air of, of the big ticket games. But the big ticket games have already embraced the microtransactions. So I, I don't know what to think. I really don't. Yeah, I think it's just kind of the time to do it, right? It's like the, now you're in sixth grade and you get a locker. <laughs> you know, it's like, if you're going to do it, it feels weird to do it in the middle of a console generation. Even if you walk out all of the features about why it became more expensive. It's like, oh, on this one, we've introduced uh, X, Y, new feature. So because of that, we're going to charge this much more money. People, I think, would balk at it. And I think the idea that this is a fresh slate and a new set of consoles, people will grumble about it. And you know, like you said, no one's looking to pay $10 more. Um, and then they'll go along with it. But as some folks in the chat are kind of talking about, and I think to Adam's point as well as variable pricing, I, I do think that this will lend itself more and more toward the subscription model um, of just like, why buy a game at $70 when you can subscribe to Game Pass for, you know, blah, 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 and get all of these games. Yeah, it's, it it's makes like, it a much, much better proposition every uh, every moment, right? It's like $10 a month, yes. and you get how many games? That's pretty great. Yeah, I mean, and the same thing is kind of true of Netflix, where it's like, oh, there's a movie I really want to watch right now, and I can rent it, or, you know, I can even, I, I happen to live in a place that still has a video rental shop. I can like call ahead and do my contact free delivery and get it and get it delivered. Or I can rent it on iTunes or all the places I can rent it. Uh, I don't know if it's going to come to Netflix or Amazon prime anytime soon, but and that's only but, $8. But I'm like, I was going to watch something I already have. I'm but, gonna, you, but Netflix is already do, or not Netflix, but you know, video on demand is already trying to do in the post COVID era is already trying to do some of this where, you know, I wanted to watch, uh, what was it? Uh, Irresistible, the new uh, John yeah. Stewart movie. I paid nineteen ninety nine to rent it, to rent it because there is some distinction between the movies that would have been in theaters if they were still theaters, and the movies that are just on Netflix. Like, there's a brand new movie on Netflix. No, dis- there's no difference. Right, like Extraction came wise. out and they didn't charge you an extra dollar a month yes. to watch Liam Neeson or whatever. But somehow it, these movies that would have been released in, in movie theaters are $19.99 to watch in, in 48 hours. But for the first two months and then Trolls World Tour is $6. It's like yes, it's like, I was, I was, was just cheaper. about to push back on that Trolls World Tour because that was delightful and worth every dollar. Oh, no, it was very good. But <laughs> well, it's, it's odd when there's not a change, right? It's like, do you want to watch it yeah. now? It's this month. Yep. Do you want to watch it in I'm two months? Even, I'm not even saying what, the value proposition, right? For some people, the, the $20 is money well spent. Mm-hmm. It's just a weird thing because in the, in the same way we're talking, there's really not much difference between NBA 2K1 on a 2k21 on xbox one and xbox series x right it's going to look shinier probably it's going to have faster load times but the game itself isn't i don't think going to be any different and in the same way movie movie's a movie right if it's on netflix it's probably got a big nice budget with big soup you know movie stars in it so does the 1999 one that i guess would have been in theaters and not on netflix it's just this arbitrary thing and, and i think the point i'm trying to make by bringing all of that up is that we nobody knows anything we're all just figuring it out the industries are all figuring it out and it, it just feels clunky and weird for everyone involved because to me the clearest just the clearest one-to-one comparison is 
Madden 21 and NBA 2K21, right? There's no difference in the density of that product, the, the, the amount of game you're getting, right? They're both super packed experiences. But in one case, you buy it on the current gen, you get the next gen for frizzle, right? And in the other case, you buy it on the current gen, you have to pay $70 for the <laughs> next gen version. It just makes no sense. It makes no sense. But I also am very sensitive to the idea that this is an industry that has an increased prices. You know, there's this quote here saying, you know, the price of admission across other competing industries has risen considerably over the years. And that's pretty true. The price of going to see a movie in 2005 when video games last raised their prices has gone way up. You know, it's it's a much bigger percentage increase than the stagnant no percentage increase the video games have had. Now, the counterpoint to that is the one Christian's making, which is yes, but microtransactions. So it's all messy and muddled. And I think a lot of it's broken, quite frankly. And then you have these free-to-play games that are just as good as anything out there. It's all <laughs> it's all chaos. Be kind. It right? just makes me glad that I don't play basketball games. There you go. <laughs> You know, you don't have to worry about it. Right. It'd be funny if NBA 2K21 is literally the only game that does this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's likely, but it would be funny. Um, all right. Before we get to my story of the week, I want to thank our first sponsor, which is Squarespace. Oh, my goodness. Hey, we're all on the Internet now. Um, maybe Twitter was a mistake, but the Internet seems like it has some good things. And if it doesn't, why don't you step up to the plate? And make some good things. You can have a website all your own. Make it yourself with Squarespace. Squarespace, the easiest way, the coolest way, the most sharp-looking way to make a website. You don't have to learn HTML. You don't have to learn. You don't have to hire anybody. You can just make it yourself using their very simple, clear tool set. Jump online. Build your site, start with a template, start moving stuff around. It's all drag and drop. So simple. You can drop in e-commerce functionality, make your site, sell things. If you need to sell things, you can blog or post your, post your portfolio online. You can promote your business. You can announce events or really anything that you can use the internet for. Squarespace can make a website for it. You can make a website for it using Squarespace. Make it yourself. There's never anything to patch or upgrade ever. You have free and secure hosting, built-in search engine optimization. It's really everything right out of the box. Plus, you can buy domains and choose from over 200 extensions so you get the, the domain that you want. Make it yourself. And hey, check out their, their site. When you go over to squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me, you get a free trial. You don't even have to put your credit card in. You can start building your site right there. And then when you're ready to launch, Use our promo code Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E, all one word. Save yourself 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. You can just buy domains. You don't have to even use their tools to build a website. You can just use Squarespace to buy domains. Um, maybe maybe just squat on a domain. <laughs> but you still get 10% off using that promo code Jeff sent me, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E at squarespace.com slash Jeff sent me. All right. Uh, my story of the week is uh, another one talking about how the world has changed and next gen. And that is that there is word or I guess it's not really even a rumor. It's more like investigation and and supposition, <laughs> maybe uh, 
maybe putting two and two together and getting four, maybe getting five. We don't know. But it certainly sounds interesting over there on Throt, which is uh, a major Microsoft rumors and uh, speculation website. Uh, there is some news that perhaps if there hadn't been a COVID, if there hadn't been any kind of lockdown or the world hadn't changed the way it did uh, in in the beginning of this year, that the Xbox Series X would be launching in late August instead of the normal November window, the normal holiday window that you usually see consoles in and that we all expect the actual Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5, for that matter, to launch in. Uh, evidently, there has been some discussion that the, um, the original version of the Xbox Series X was going to launch in August with the Xbox Lockhart, which is the code name for the, the cheaper one that we still haven't gotten confirmed about, but everyone seems to think is real, with that one launching in November. So they would have come out with the, the big honkin' Series X that we've already seen, the form factor for that uh, everyone assumes will be the big expensive version of Xbox Series X. And then the Lockhart would be the one coming late October, mid-October, um, evidently this was all, um, you know, taken off course by the coronavirus, but I'm curious what you guys would have thought. It, it, this is sort of my fun. What if segment, you know, the sto- story is, is a fun. What if Adam, can you imagine how, how do you think that would have changed the next gen rollout? The distinction between a PlayStation five and an Xbox series X, if the PlayStation five had actually launched November, as we assume it will, but the Xbox Series X had come out many months before in late August. What what do you think would have changed? How do you think that would have affected things for this generation's start? I think that Microsoft is playing such a different game in general in regards to the next generation. Um, it, it wouldn't certainly wouldn't surprise me that they would do something like this because they're bucking convention you know left and right as far as what somebody would expect you to do with a new console rollout but uh i'm for, first of all i'm i'm i miss the pre-covid world i'm i'm not adapting to this summer of games thing i miss e3 i miss having all of my info just like wrapped up in a bow instead of sprinkled throughout the week and i can't tell what's what and things are getting delayed and pushed and microsoft is going to have a thing in july and probably a thing in august and they had a thing in may and i just my head is spinning, right? Um, as far as how it would change the 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 game, as far as you know, Xbox Series X versus PlayStation Five, I don't know that it necessarily will. I th- I think the the things that Microsoft is doing in regards to um, feature sets and quality of life and things like uh, the the pricing structure with all access. I think that's going to have the most play if any of anything in regards to how they compete against PlayStation five. But even then Microsoft isn't really too concerned with you buying a series X. They just want you in on game pass. Right? So I don't know, man, this is, this is the weirdest console transition there ever has been. And I don't even know how you measure success anymore. Yeah. So it's not even unit numbers, you know? Yeah, certainly will be different different metric for success for Microsoft. But right. Christian, I'm curious what your take on this what if is. If if we were gearing up for an Xbox Series X launch in, you know, basically less than two months, how do you think that would have changed? Would we have 
would we be seeing a Halo Infinite release in August? Would we would they have launch titles? Are all those games effectively sort of ghost delayed, even though we don't even know what they are? Um, what's your feeling about all that? I mean, first of all, if we're talking what ifs, we need to talk about Wolverine as Magneto. Okay, so Logan and Charles met when they were both young. No, I know you. I know you berated all the people who made those those. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, I'm very excited for I haven't heard an update about that. I'm excited for that animated series. I always loved we've talked about this before. I love those comics. Yeah. Um Me too. Yeah, I I think Adam makes great points where Microsoft is, you know, playing their own game, I think still in many regards. Um I, I don't know how likely I think this would have been the case even but for COVID. Um What's a but for? <laughs> for sitting on and for pooping. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think Halo's done. Um, or if so, you know, they cl- have moved away from that. Because at E3 last year, you know, we were living in total ignorance, you know, in terms of what <laughs> this summer would be like. And I heard, not that I, you know, hear all the rumors, you know, or that you and I are, or like the, fingers closest to the pulse on a lot of things. Um, but I think some of that would have started to come out early. Like even as, as COVID hit, I think some of that. So, okay. So I, I, I kind of agree with you, but also does that mean a, that this theory is just wrong or would the series X have launched without a slate of, launch titles it doesn't seem likely to me it wouldn't have been like hey series x comes out in august halo comes out in november i i just i don't understand it i don't understand well, I wonder how if, that would all worked i wonder if series x came out with cyberpunk right well but they had the, the xbox 360 cyberpunk edition xbox one xbox i'm one. sorry <laughs> it may have as well have been an <laughs> xbox 360 my brain's broken yep. but yes xbox one cyberpunk edition that was coming in june or that actually did come in june uh so that doesn't make any sense either really right i mean i I have not read through you know these reports i've kind of just seen the headlines of the report so but just my my gut reaction to this is at some point this is probably discussed sure i believe it microsoft has certainly pulled out of generations early before um and i think you know they're not necessarily looking to keep the Xbox one generation going for as long as possible. As Adam mentioned, they have a good thing going with game pass, but if they could get new hardware and, and make that jump, I think they'd be excited to do it and, and give people a reason to invest in their ecosystem that maybe haven't yet. But I, I think because of the points you're making, Jeff, that I find it hard to believe that they would be ready to go with enough stuff that would satisfy people to launch a new console generation right now. Based yeah. off of nothing, but those are my that that's my that's my take. Man, there are sorry birds. parrots. Birds. Parrots are like bombard. I think it's like they're all still recovering from firework of Palooza last night. You got to stop feeding them, man. You got to stop feeding them. <laughs> I just eat uh, my uh, opinions, uh, man. <laughs> juicy, juicy opinions. Uh, if we're playing the what if game, which is what I was hoping we would play, I I can I have a hard time not thinking about this from my own selfish perspective, which is. I would have loved this. I would have loved this because it doesn't mean you have to compress all of the new console excitement into one few days of bouncing back and forth and comparing them one to one. You could have 
your Xbox Series X joy for several months and you could revel in it and you could look at all the new shiny things and you could then save up money for the next console that's coming in a few months that's coming around the holidays. It spaces it all out and makes it all better from my perspective. Now, maybe my perspective is not the the common one. Maybe it actually would make the Xbox in a weird way seem less than, but to me, it certainly feels like it would let them get the jump on all of the excitement because everybody's talking about next gen, next gen, next gen for months before you can even get a PlayStation five. I mean, I guess the other edge of that double edged sword is that PlayStation five gets to sort of be like, Oh yeah, but we're going to be even better this whole time. You're, you're a known quantity. And now that holiday is here, boom, the, the thing you've all been waiting for. I don't know. I just, it's just a bummer to me that again is going to happen where these five, $600 consoles are going to come out within days of each other, likely. And it's all going to be cramped and it's all going to be, compressed together and i'm gonna want both and it just it's just not as fun to be able to like oh i can look at one of these things and 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 be focused on it for months and then have another one a few months later that i can get excited about so i don't know i would have liked it i think no nobody shares that you know i think there's something to that in the sense that i have a lot of friends who are kind of like balancing which one do I get? You know, our community yeah. is a lot, of, a lot of dads, you know, gamers on budgets. And if I had a dollar, those are, um, those are gobs, gobs, not dads. Yeah. Gob stoppers. Gobs. Um, gamers gob. on budget. What? Gamers on budget. <laughs> gobs. Oh, gamers on budgets. Okay. I couldn't figure out what the G was. And there's a, there's so many people that I've heard who have said, I've got a PC. So I'm, just gonna get a ps5 that's what and christian's saying our it, very own christian spicer very, right here on this very podcast is saying that and you know they're they're viewing that question in the context of it's one or the other because these both these are both hitting you know like you said jeff at the same time if microsoft eliminates that question of either or you know they put their horse out first you know, there's the shiny box on the shelf. Yeah. You're not necessarily thinking PS5. Um, the only thing that gives me pause on that is Microsoft just seems so unconcerned with making you buy the box. Right. So I, I, I just don't know how much they're invested in 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 that as a barometer for success. It's going to be something. I mean, it's going to have some yeah. barometer there. <laughs> Sega, the Dreamcast launched, and Sony did a really good job going like, yeah, you can get that now, or you can wait for, wait for the good thing coming a few months later. Like, yeah, you're right. You know, yes, I, Jeff, I don't doubt that if it came out in August, the new Xbox, you would run out and buy it, and then you'd run out and buy the PS5, partly because of what we do, and partly because of who you are. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm going to run out and buy them no matter when they come out. They can come out on the same day, and I'll be asking my wife to stand in two different lines at the store, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> But I think a lot of people, why is your wife standing in both lines? Um, well, <laughs> I just think it's cute that you think we're going to be back in the store. Yeah, no, I was, I was just going to say that too. I was like, uh, by the way, I don't want to go to a store even when there's no coronavirus. I'd rather be able to just click three times and have it show up at my house on the launch day. Let's make that a thing that continues, right. please. But I, I think people if had the Xbox come out in August. I think you would have a lot of people going like, oh. I a thing now, but what does it do? But uh, I don't know. Miles Morales is coming out on 
PlayStation, and I think they're, you know, I don't think everyone just yes, like, buy one like, now get, and one later. You, you get the Xbox now because you just pay you know, $39 a month. <laughs> maybe. You don't even maybe. have to buy it up front. I don't know. I think there's, I think there's ways that that could have all been a really tantalizing proposition, but we'll never know. We'll never know the August that wasn't, you know, but we're living through the July that is. So here we go. <laughs> let's, let's transition. Excuse me. Let's transition now to talk about the games that we have been playing because there's a lot. So let's jump right in. To our playlist. Adam, what are the games that you have been playing lately? Well, I won't take up too much time because I feel like I'm playing catch up on you guys from last week. You did such it's a great all job. All sports uh, games, right, Adam? All sports I, games. Wall dude, to wall. I've been playing so much b-ball. I've been, <laughs> I've been dribbling and... Uh, Hooping, I don't know. Yeah, I got nothing. No, you got um, it. But I just completed two days ago The Last of Us Part Two, and, and composed goodness. your sharply worded email to the creators. <laughs> I got no. immediately on Twitter. I found out where everybody was, where they Adam's, lived. Adam's tweet went to the one person who went like, "Let's go this way." Like that was their only line, and Adam was like, "Not believable." In the <laughs> it was place. the other way. <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously I'm not going to talk too much about it because it's so hard to talk about this game without talking about this game, but my God, what a, what a game, what a, what an experience, right? The fact that Naughty Dog created something that just circumvents all expectations, um, and subverts everything you thought you wanted it to do. Uh, even, I mean, this studio in particular has, you know, such a, a run of making games where you're just dropping bodies left and right. And to make a game that has such a deep commentary on the fallout of rage and, and what it means to take a life. Um, I mean, imagine if like Nintendo made a, a Mario game where it was just like, maybe jumping isn't the best way to get around. It just changes your your perspective on everything you've ever done, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of what this game does. It it makes you think and think. And after I finished this game, I thought back to the the first one and how long I sat on that ending and just not knowing how I felt about it and really analyzing it and putting myself in those shoes. And I think this game takes that times 10 uh where just every step of the way you're 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 thinking and you're thinking and you're thinking of not only would i do this but like what is that going to mean down the road and seeing fallout from it and just beautiful art i i loved this game so much um and and the last of us part one is like top five games of all time for me and what a thing to have a franchise where with two installments probably both of those games are in my top five. Um, just, just, you can't get this kind of experience anywhere else. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was blown away. Yeah. I'm so, uh, I'm glad you're on, on that page. I know it is a divisive game, but I think that those of us that, um, got something out of the experience, it, it really does feel like this game that's hard to 
put into just a few adjectives. You know, it, it is really something quite extraordinary. Um, I, I, I did Christian hear that the hates the, it, right? Christian, Christian does hate it. Yeah. yeah. I, think he, he I'll, I mean, I'll wait for black Friday. I've heard people talk <laughs> about it enough that I'm like, at some point I should play it, but I don't know. Uh, Christian told me though, he's got direct from the designers that the third game, last of us part three is going to be a cart racer. That's so true. really going, naughty dogs going back to their roots. Finally, really, really divisive, really something that'll, uh, subvert expectations that it'll just be a pure hey, cart racer. If Mario and Bowser can play, baseball and tennis together you know what i mean like yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's gonna be called the last of rush i don't know i was was trying for something (laughs) the last of us lap three (laughs) (laughs) there you lap three oh that's funny um yeah i mean it is uh it, it is one of the things we haven't talked we've talked about the game a lot obviously but one of the things we haven't talked about and i i've been reaching out to uh, the the lead sound designer on the game, uh, Rob Kreckle, to maybe be on the show at some point. Um, we, we didn't really talk about how extraordinary the accessibility options are in the game and how uh, evidently you can play through the entire 25-plus-hour experience without using your eyes. You can, uh, you can just do completely with audio uh, inputs only. You can me. navigate the entire game. Uh, you can survive all of the fights. You can do everything in the game uh, completely blind, which is, I've never heard of that ever. And uh, supposedly Naughty Dog is going to be very open about sharing a lot of their learnings and their their innovation in that space so that that's going to be more of the the norm, hopefully, that a lot of other studios will learn from and incorporate into their games. And, you know, that's just one of a number of really extraordinary uh, accessibility options that a a game of this size and scale to have that be such a prominent part of it is another, I think, um, thing to laud and thing to uh, be impressed by. Certainly I am. It's just such a rare thing to have a game where you look at it in its totality and you're like, they thought of everything, you know, like the, from the level design being, you know, I remember I'm I'm going to be 40 next month. Like I remember games when you would see reused assets around every corner. And uh, I have this conversation with a lot of people so much about how, you know, does power, does power matter? You know, we've got the switch, which is an underpowered system and still delivers great experiences. Yes. But you play a game like the last of us part two, and it just makes that question so hard to answer because the things that naughty dog is able to achieve the the level of detail and it's just it's so expertly crafted and they they just seemingly thought of everything i can't think of anything that isn't finely tuned yeah yeah and christian your uh your episodes are about to start dropping for for the second game right yeah tuesday july 7th we start our conversations about part two um those should be a lot of fun yeah very much looking forward to that. Um, show's been great so far. Um, what else is on your playlist, Adam? An equally dark and uh, thought-provoking game is Animal Crossing. Mm, yes. Um, I have been a huge Animal Crossing super, super fan since the GameCube days. Um, so I was very excited for this game for the longest time. And I am enjoying it. They recently had their summer update where they added some things. Um I do like this game a lot, but I'm also 
ever frustrated by the limitations of this game and, and kind of like Nintendo in general. Uh, there are just some baffling design decisions made in this game that it, it seems to take two steps forward, two steps back. Uh, the, the summer update recently added swimming and diving in the game. And one of the, one of the key aspects of Animal Crossing New Horizons is for the first time ever, they let you create and design waterways on in your village. So you can create rivers and lakes and waterfalls. And that's like a new key element to this game. It's a big part of designing your world. And Nintendo adds swimming, but you can only swim around the perimeter of your island. You can't swim in any of your constructed waterways. It's just such a strange limitation on this game that, you know, you, you pick something up and you hear about a new feature that they have. And on paper, it sounds exciting. But in in implementation, you're just scratching your head like, why not go the full length? Why not go all the way? And there's just a lot of things in Animal Crossing where it's like a lot of potential there. And it's a, there's a lot to love there. But there's a lot of really bizarre um, shackled gameplay where it's just like you're almost there, guys. You're you're so close, but you're you're just being Nintendo about this and you need to stop. <laughs> well, it's interesting. It's, you're the first person I've heard express that perspective, especially as a longtime Animal Crossing fan. Mm-hmm. Um, Christian, does any of that resonate with you? I know you've been much more positive about the game. <sighs> I. I feel like to me that has always been a valid criticism of Animal Crossing. Um, <laughs> like it, it makes sense, but I don't know if it feels unique to this iteration to this game. Uh, right? I guess the only difference is you can't time travel is one way in which they've, you know, restrained it the way that you can play with it um, with like content updates and, and internet updates and stuff like that. And then I, I think the thing that maybe exacerbates the problem is that, I think it is a valid criticism that's existed with the game forever. (laughs) So, you know, each iteration, I think it becomes more valid of a criticism where it's like, come on, you can't still be doing this stuff. But then also that's kind of the game. They've never set out. They never introduced this as like Animal Crossing Breath of the Wild. (laughs) You know, like we've rethought what it means to be Animal Crossing. I guess the only time they did that was the mobile game. And I did not like that game. So I totally understand, but I also think Adam, you and I both know what we were getting when we bought this game. Oh, absolutely. And I think a I think a big part of it is just like this sounds this is harsh cuz I love this series, but sometimes I feel like I've outgrown it. You know what I mean? Um where it's like I I see so much in this game that was everything I loved in previous installments, but I'm just ready for a bigger leap than they're willing to take. And it's such a it's such a dose of nostalgia for me to play this game and think back, you know, before I was a husband and a father of just staying up all night and playing this game. And, and it offers all those same experiences. But then at the same time, like they give me a basketball that I can't roll. <laughs> it's just like, the only thing roll. you love is playing basketball. It's the only thing you love. I, I want to roll you. this I told you all he wants dribble. to do is play ball. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know. It's 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 not Animal Crossing. It's me. You know what I mean? But, like it's, uh, I'm just ready. But you could also terraform your entire island. So it, it's, exactly. you know, it's like there is a big improvement, but it is like 
that's very much still the Animal Crossing thing of like the items are meant to be displayed and not played with. They're all like mannequinettes almost, except for was it the GameCube one where you'd have you'd had a working Super Nintendo in your house, Mm -hmm. which was awesome. And like, but now it's like you have a Switch, but all it does is you know snap when you go near it. It's this weird thing. Like the radio will play, but you can't change it. Um, Yeah, yeah, it's 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 a unique little thing. So. Adam, has that prevented you from being as addicted to Animal Crossing as it seems so many people in my timeline on Twitter are? I So there's a couple of things. First of all is my son is six, and he is way into gaming right now. Um, so I'm able to play this game w- with him in the same town, and also my wife, who is not much of a gamer. The Both of them play this game quote unquote with me. So that's a very enjoyable experience to, to fire up animal crossing and ask my son, Hey, did you go to the shop today? What's in the shop or who's going to get the fruit from the trees? And it's, it's co-op, but it's not, that's heightening my enjoyment for it. But some of these other limitations just are, you know, they're curbing my enjoyment. I'm just into more nuanced and progressive games now. So you know, I'll always love it and I still play it multiple times a week. It's just, it's just not for me. And that's fine. Like I, I think it's ready for me to hand that baton to my son and enjoy. I enjoy a lot of things through him now. Yeah. Uh, and this is one of those things where it, it heightens my enjoyment of the game, seeing him enjoy the game. That's great. That's great. Christian Spicer, what is on your playlist? uh so i'll give my kids update uh they have bounced off um animal crossing pretty hard and are all about pokemon which i think i'm did i mention pokemon last week you did yeah great yeah Uh, my oldest is now two gems deep and still loving it um i saw the uh the thing you posted about or maybe it was just internal maybe it wasn't a post to me it was i just saw a video of your yes, daughter I, uh, I shared a gif of of her with you and, and some other colleagues of her finishing her first gym she's very yeah. excited very excited. adorable adorable yeah is, it, it's pretty fun i mean, it's pretty- wonder how much uh, how much of her gaming have you been recording or is it just that moment you're like you knew she was about to beat the the gym just that moment i knew where she was the way so many of the gyms and and a lot of the games also but particularly sword and shield like the first part is a little challenge and the second part's the battle and she had finished the challenge um the day before and then i so i knew that she'd be coming right into to the battle and she failed at a bunch the first few times and i talked strategy with her and i was like you know you know the types what type is this what types are you strong are not my daughter unless you beat this gym <laughs> well, i put her I put her outside and I let the dog in and I was like, <laughs> Beasley, get to your bed and will be my new oldest daughter. If you cannot That's, do this by yourself, you want to, you want a Pokemon champion or do you want a Pokemon player? You know what I'm saying? Like seen the tweets I sent her when she failed the first time I mean, they <laughs> were encouraging. Vile. They were so encouraging. Um, but now she's two gyms in and, and really loving it. It's, it's really fascinating to me. And I won't spend a lot of time on this, my last point here. But like it's really fascinating to me to see the parts of the game where she lingers and the parts where she wants to just blaze ahead versus my own play habits of like where I want to hang out and maybe grind for a little bit um, and encounters I want to skip. It's just like she's creating her own, you know, gaming habits already. And I think part of it is 
um, just excitement. She really likes being in the town. So she like talk to everybody and people like multiple times and like see if they say something different and talk to everybody in the poke center. And I'm just like, I need to walk away. This doesn't, the gym's right there. Just go to the gym. Just go to the gym. But meanwhile, like I'll stay in the wild areas forever and like get in battles. I'm clearly under level four, but like, you know, maybe it's going to work out. Um, and she's like, dad, you're too weak. <laughs> you're, you're not going to do this one. Um, it's really fun to see. So that's where our family game time has gone. This will be even a shorter update than as I, cause I, I think I mentioned it last week. Um, Destiny 2 pulled me back just a little bit. Just a little taste. A little, little taste of that sweet Destiny. Playing it on Stadia, are you? Uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I also, it might be too late to be a friendly reminder, but if you signed up for your first three free months of Quibi, uh, cancel that. That time. <laughs> Wait, that, time. that thing still exists? I did my three months. I watched two shows. Uh, I set a reminder for myself to cancel it, and I did. Um yeah. Yeah, it's it's really nice. And I hadn't played Destiny in a while now and seeing some of like the HUD layouts for like and this I'll get into this uh as I talk about the next game as well, but like how that I think Destiny has done a really good job evolving how they present information. And it's still not perfect. I don't know if a perfect way to do it, but there's so much to do in that game and to keep track of and especially for if you're coming in like i am like a lapsed player it's like where did i leave off what quest is this what are old quests now they're starting to retire some stuff in the future and i i really like where they have that that kind of menu quest hub right now um in terms of places where it's been before where it's like i'm doing this fallen king mission where is it like how do i like what's last year's thing Uh, okay I still want to go play it. <laughs> like you have to open up the map and search and look for the emblem next to the thing. And that's the, whatever. And it, they've really, in my opinion, done a nice job streamlining where you are tracking the various missions, what mission things are attached to, or kind of um, what quests you're going on and what you're grinding toward. And um, it's nice to see the other game that I spent more time on that. I think our listeners have been silently yelling at us um, to, to play or to talk about is I finally took the plunge on Warzone this past week. Mm -hmm. And it's a game that I now have installed on my PlayStation, my Xbox, and my PC. Um, And I I finally played it on my PC. You all, I think it was like 188 gigs. (laughs) I, I guess it's like the entire download of Modern Warfare plus like a whole other house. Like it's a big, big download. Um. And I get it. I, I, I get why people are really in love with this game. Like, as someone who has played a, almost all the other Battle Royales and, and put some decent amount of time into them, having spent, I don't know, maybe four hours, which is not, you know, pretending I'm an expert in any way, shape, or form on Warzone, but it seems to check a lot of the boxes really well in terms of it has nice instant action if you kind of want to just get in and get playing. Um, there's something to do kind of the entire time, which is something that I think PUBG struggled with, or, or some people like that, you know, it's, it's kind of antiquated in that regard, but the things that you're doing mid match don't feel quite as like, gimmicky is the word that's coming to mind right now. Like Fortnite became very kitschy in a lot of ways where it's like, you know, pin the tail on the donkey, do 10 Macarena's, you know, call your dad, text your mom, show us a picture, prove you did it, paint your face. Let's go. Like It's like, what am I even doing in this game where I'm building stuff and shooting people like very 
silly and odd and sometimes fun, but just like, you know, outlandish additions to that. Now you swim like a dolphin. <laughs> and you're just like, what's going on? This game is a, a cartoon caricature of itself. And I think Call of Duty Warzone found a really nice way to um, add those mid-match tasks and jobs, but kind of keep it grounded for what that Call of Duty experience is, whether you're going into like an in-match shop to spend points that you've unlocked to call in your perk. I'm sorry, I'm getting the names wrong. Like I said, not a, a Warzone expert. Or when you are eliminated, you go into the gulag and you're able to fight your way out and kind of come back into the main game. Your teammates can can revive you and bring you back um, by spending points. And there's a lot going on in the game that kind of keeps it fresh from the standard Battle Royale. And on man, now there are coyotes yelling. The nature is healing. Um, <laughs> and, a coyote uh, got a hold of a parrot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, probably. Um, and then on top of the Call of Duty carrot on stick that they've been doing so well since Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare Four of grinding for gear and guns and in a way that they are still unlocked and found a game, but kind of giving you those customization tweaks. So I, I can't say I'll be playing tons more, but I am keeping it and it's behemoth gigabytes on my hard drive as a game to jump into from time to time. My biggest realization, I think I have two takeaways from both of destiny two and, and Warzone. one, I think I really love the idea of a multiplayer game and I don't think I actually like them, which is a weird realization for me as someone who put the last two games I really got invested in PVP um, style gameplay were Fortnite where I did like three or four seasons in a row and then Rocket League before that. And so we didn't talk about it in Story of the Week, but Ubisoft as like betaing or Twitch key dropping their new Battle Royale game that got announced um it's still clearly a very hot genre and i saw the ubisoft announcement i was like "Ooh, that looks i want to try to get in on that and then every time i play them they don't keep their hooks in me i think as i've aged i've become more comfortable in in like the games i like i like them to have an end i like to be able to put them away and be air quote done with it and move on to a new experience i like the experiences that games bring me and i don't necessarily like playing pickup basketball you know, so to speak, even in sports games, mm. I want to play that season and see how I did. Um, and so that's takeaway one for Warzone for me, where it's like, oh, this is really fun. I like this. And it's like, I'm not itching to play it. Mm. I'm not itching to play any predominantly multiplayer game. And then, as I've been talking a lot, what I'd love to get your take, Jeff and Adam, on is as so many of these games now are, you know, trying to be people's forever games in Destiny and, and Warzone and these Battle Royales. I feel like that menuization of games, it's it's overwhelming. There's so much to do. And also I feel like the game is pressing you to just like play, but there's so much like the season of this, the tactic of this, the HUD of this, you unlocked this. Don't forget this. Have you tried this? Your friend's doing this. Spend time over here to realize this. And it's like so much in that, that I don't know how games like that now can can focus or what that new user experience is like or lapsed user experience. And Adam, I'm curious if you have any forever games that you've maybe gone away from and come back to and, and what that experience was like. And if it was something that was overwhelming or you thought they kind of re onboarded you 
well and you were able to slide back in. You you said something a little while ago that struck a chord with me, and that is I like my games to end. And as a father of two and a guy who has so many side projects and and things to do, I love a game that relies on nothing except my window of free time. And I used to be into uh, Fortnite a bit. I mean, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to oversell how good I was at the game or anything, but you're right. It, it changes so much. And if you don't play for two seasons, you, you update the game, you go back in, I'm going to play a little Fortnite. And you're like, what? We're watching the dark Knight tonight. What? <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're watching movies in Fortnite and there's all these submissions and fishing and this and that. And it's not at all what I remembered from two seasons ago. Completely off-putting to me. Uh, and in fact, it's the one big red flag I have about the Avengers game that's coming up is I'm scared of how much that multiplayer aspect is going to be a big part of the game. Because to me, all I want from that game is the single player stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm very much a guy who likes to play things that I can absolutely control my experience and don't have to worry about keeping up. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder how much of that is a factor of the fact that we all, all three of us do podcasts. Um, and the kind of podcasts we do are talking about games that are coming out frequently uh, i don't know and, but and these this... games have new content frequently that i think if we were really in i mean you talked about assassin's creed odyssey last year all year and i don't mean that as yeah. like a knock right it's like you were talking about your new experiences with it each week and i feel like our audience yeah. really responded to it and if i could articulate like oh man i gotta talk about warzone again this week on warzone they introduce yeah. you know iron rings and the gulag and here's what that changes and it, you know i think there's content there it's just not my cup of tea yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like if I wasn't doing the show, I probably would be more married to a game than I am. I mean, I, I loved my time with Heroes of the Storm, and I would still be playing that game now if I wasn't doing a Dungeons and Dragons show every week where like literally all of my free time is devoted to thinking and working on that show. Um so I just don't have any room for the married two games because the married two games don't fit well in talking about them on DLC every week. So I'm, you know, the, the gaming time that I have, I devote to games that I can talk about on the show and I enjoy them. I'm, I still enjoy all these games and I would want to be playing them. But I think that if I was just a sort of nine to five working guy without all these weird podcasts that use up my free time, I would, uh, I would love the experience of being married to a game over the long term and seeing how it evolves and changes. I, I really like that. I, I wouldn't be into the battle royales because that's just not my genre, but there are plenty of games like the idea of the idea of, of the fact that I have a group of guys and we have all played world of Warcraft for a decade together off and on, right? We're not currently playing right now. I'm not that devoted. Like there are people that have, played wow every day for years and years i'm not that we we have fits and starts right when a new uh, expansion comes out which one is coming out in november oh, i don't know how i'm gonna have room in my life for that with all the other things but no the xbox is coming out in august so you're good oh good 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 um 
Anyway, I, I, I love that. I love the history that I have with them in that world and how we've been there through thick and thin and through all these different permutations of the world. And we could compare this expansion to three expansions ago and we can talk about the class changes to a class that we have been playing literally for 10 years and go, oh, you know, they improved this or I wish they had done this or I love that. I love that depth of of connection to a, a game like that. And I think that games fostering, I mean, we talked a lot about community at the beginning of the show and, and the dark side of a community community that's possible. But so much of what community means for video games to me is such a positive, such a wonderful aspect where you can be with a group of people that jump in and play Destiny for years and years and years and have all new things to do and new things to chase and can jump into these battle royales and play, play, play. I don't know. I, I, I kind of wish my lifestyle. It's not that I wish games, you know, weren't as much like that. It's more that I wish my lifestyle was more conducive to those kinds of games personally. Yeah. I think my last thought on it is that I think I've kind of come to games for an escape and a power fantasy, be it sports, you know, or or otherwise and and you know a game like the last of us i would say is is that as well right where i'm putting myself in this world and i'm going to win you know air quote win at the end and i think as, as like these multiplayer games maybe it's just i don't have the time maybe that just doesn't spark my competitive spirit where it's like i want to play against the computer and if that's too hard i can make it easier and then i can feel like i did it <laughs> You know, like that's what I love about video games. I love feeling like I'm uh, Kratos against impossible odds and I do it. You know, I'm Spider-Man and yeah. I land down in this huge. Except I've I've heard you express the feeling of getting a chicken dinner either by yourself or with someone else. And I know that it is more special to feel like you did that against other human beings. And I can attest to that, too. You know, playing Heroes of the Storm, there is nothing like playing against other human beings and besting them. It is it is better. It really is. And I think if I had the time, made the time or desire to get good, I, I think that's what I've realized is that I, I was maybe going to be okay when the world was my local arcade. And I think I'm just coming to grips with, <laughs> finally, that in even the slightly smaller circle than that, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I am not good. And it's not fun to always be somebody's chicken dinner. Um, right. and I know games are working on that and that's a struggle for matchmaking. And, uh, you know, we talked about how battle royales are maybe better than other competitive games because they have fun. And I think Fortnite has the, the dolphin jumping, you know, all that other stuff in there. So there is accomplishment you can do, but I think I am just kind of realizing that I, I'm not going to put in that work. And I'm finding my entertainment. I'm trying to be comfortable finding what I love about games now in in other places. And I need to quit, you know, pursuing that PvP uh, high <laughs> that I've clung to for so long. All right. Well, tune into the next uh, next time that a great PvP game comes out. And you're like, I love this game. I just got that for this third. And it just <laughs> felt so awesome. But I, you know, with ups and downs. It's, I, I get it. Um, all right, I want to thank our second sponsor now, which is Ritual. Ritual. This is, if you are a woman or you know a woman, listen up right now. Because 
oftentimes we want to do the right thing to keep our bodies healthy. We want to eat right. We want to, we want to exercise. We want to do all those things. But even when you're eating well, when you're thinking about what goes into your body, you're not, you're still not getting all of the essential nutrients nutrients, you know, nutrients. I don't know what a nutrient is. Uh, all of the essential nutrients you need on a daily basis. That is why ritual exists. It is an obsessively researched vitamin for women. The rituals essentials. My wife has been taking this for months now. Uh, she's so happy with it. It's really a completely different kind of vitamin. Really. It, it doesn't have that horrible fishy taste that some omega-3s can have. It actually comes with a little mint tab just in case you have some some breath <laughs> issues. A lot, a lot of those those um, vitamins for women can have that, that horrible taste and that, that kind of bad breath effect. Comes with a little tab. Plus, they have a no-nausea capsule design, which is good for empty stomachs. That way you don't have to worry about timing your vitamin taking with a meal. You don't have to take it with food. It's so great. Uh, they really have thought of everything is also transparent, meaning, you know, exactly what goes into it. All of rituals ingredients are vegan friendly, sugar free, non GMO, gluten free and allergen free. And their sources where they get the ingredients are out there for the whole world to see as well. So you can be confident of what you're putting into your body. Plus it's delivered via subscription. So you don't have to think about it. You just, uh, Start that subscription. It shows up just only a dollar a day to have all the essential nutrients your body needs delivered every single month. No strings attached. So check it out. Better health doesn't happen overnight. And right now, Ritual is offering listeners of DLC 10% off during your first three months. Fill in the gaps in your diet with Essential for Women, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. Visit ritual.com slash DLC to start your ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com slash DLC. R-I-T-U-A-L dot com slash DLC. All right. My, uh, my playlist, um, playing some stuff I can't talk about yet, but I am playing an indie game that I am, I'm kind of falling for. It's pretty great. It's an early access, so it is not a finished game, but this is a game I've had on my radar for years because I saw it years ago at GDC, I believe. And I was like, Ooh, this game looks like my jam. It's called Griftlands, and it has just uh, been released in early access just a few weeks ago. I gobbled it up as soon as it uh, was available for purchase on steam. I think it's uh, available for 15% off right now. Uh, not a, not a super expensive game, but it's been well chronicled now on DLC. My love for these, uh, you can call them spire likes, maybe uh, card <laughs> slay the spire style card battling games um, that are sort of roguelike with card battling systems. And Griftlands fits in that category, but it also adds a layer of storytelling that is pretty excellent. The first thing I need to tell you about Griftlands is Google it and look at the images. It is a really cool looking game. It has this very like Saturday morning cartoon aesthetic to it, all hand-drawn animation, sort of cell-looking animation uh, that immediately caught my attention when I saw it all oh, those many years ago at GDC. I love how it looks. Big, big, large characters on the screen. 
and they all look, you know, looks like a like a Don Bluth movie or something. It's really, really cool looking. And all of the effects and and um, the way things move and and slide over it, it all just kind of feels good. It, it has that layer of of polish already, even as an early access game that. Uh, I appreciate the map is really cool. Like you move around the map to different quests and you might have a, um, a, um, um, uh, an event happen. Um, what do they used to call it in old JRPGs? Um, random encounters. You can, you might have a random encounter that happens that you don't see coming. Uh, and like how that locks into place and gets you into it. It just, it just feels good. Um, but the game itself is really clever. It does a it is a card battling system. So when you get into fights with characters, it's very slay the spire. You use your uh, attacks and you do use your defenses and you build up those numbers and knock an enemy's health down to zero. And there's multiple enemies perhaps that you're fighting and you have to decide how your attacks are going to work. All of that very standard, very well executed. The cards are fun. There's great combos to the cards. But what really makes this game, I think, stand apart and carve out its own identity is that you yes have this battle deck but you have a completely other negotiation deck and some of the quests require you to battle things and some of the quests require you to just talk but you're talking your negotiation happens with card battles as well and the way that all plays out is so cool and and different enough from the battle battles that it really does feel like you're in two different games for a, for a, a large sense of it. Yes, they're both card battle games. Yes, the mechanics are basically the same, but the visualization of how the um, negotiation works, it's so cool. You have these like spheres, uh, spheres, circles, these little orbits that are happening around the character's image when you're in the discussion. And they have what is basically their health number you know their hp but in this case it's their resolve it's their uh willingness to continue the argument and once you knock that down to zero you win the argument you win the negotiation so you're effectively doing the same thing playing cards to knock down their resolve as you would to knock down their health in the battle version but here they can add you add different tactics you add different arguments from your hand, the cards can add arguments and and tactics. You can try to threaten, you can try to coerce, you can add resolve to yourself, which is basically like buffing your defense. And these different arguments are kind of rotating around in orbit around the character's head, and they can basically do things on their own. They can make attacks and defend things, and you can decide to attack different side arguments that the uh, enemy is making. It's It's a little dense and obtuse and hard to wrap your mind around when you first start playing but i grokked it pretty quick and it really made it feel like very different and fun it's full of jargon full of kind of unnecessary jargon where it's like your influence and your resolve and all that stuff that basically breaks down to you know attack and defense but i like it i like that layer of oh this really is sort of a different way to look at a card battling system to something that is also in the game, right? The the standard attack defense card battling system is also in the game. And so to have this contrast of two different things that you do at any given time is really cool. And ultimately, I, my first playthrough, I didn't kill anybody. I didn't kill anybody. Uh, even in the uh, the battle 
versions, you get to a point that every enemy that you face has a, a health bar. And if you knock it down far enough, there's a little bit of their health at the end that is like their willpower or their um, willingness to stay in the fight. And you, if you knock them down to that, they will decide that they want to retreat or give up or surrender. And then you can actually execute them. You can choose to execute them if you want, or you can just win the battle by letting them surrender. And so I've never killed anybody in this game. And that's not just a sort of, you know, hippy dippy choice. It actually has ramifications because the game also keeps track of all of your interactions and reputation among dozens and dozens of ancillary characters all around the world. All these story characters that you're interacting with, you go into bars, you can buy a drink for a character and make them like you. You can, and they'll give you a card that you can enter into your deck. If you spare someone's life, sometimes you'll, they'll show up later in the story and help you out in a certain way, help you in a negotiation or, you know, put in a good word for you, which helps you. It's really clever because they've got this big web of, you, you can keep track of all the people that love you, that like you, that hate you, that dislike you. And it's you're constantly managing all of those relationships and they actually have ramifications that come into play. It's so cool. It, I, this game is called Griftlands and it's just my catnip. It is really, I love games like this. I love the look and feel of this game. It's a little on the short side right now. It's meant to sort of be like a, a roguelike and they're adding like more playable characters with their own stories. So the game will have this sort of, you know, start another run with uh, a character that you are trying that has a different story. But the the world is cool. It's kind of a kind of a Mad Maxian post-apocalyptic thing, but it's more about um it's more about it's it's Griftland. So it's a bunch of grifters. It's a bunch of uh, you know, traders. And I just love the emphasis on talking and and negotiation and uh rather than just all violence. It it is it's a pretty promising game that's in early access it's called griftlands i i'm really digging it all right so that's my playlist um we do have some vr talk especially there is uh really one of my most anticipated vr games ever came out this week so let's jump in and talk vr Adam, you have been playing uh, the game that I have been looking forward to for quite a while. It is called Iron Man VR. The Marvel hero has his own VR game on PlayStation VR, exclusive to PlayStation VR, I should note. Uh, And you and I have both been playing it. Uh, What do you think of Iron Man VR? Let uh, Let me paint you a picture first before we get started where uh i'm like i said before i'm a i'm nearly a 40 year old man i've been playing games my whole life i've never been embarrassed by games uh i've never been embarrassed to be a gamer a very enthusiastic gamer we've been doing mega dads running our video game website and podcasts for over six years now never felt embarrassed uh by my participation in video games fast forward to today and i was saying to myself adam you're going on dlc they're going to talk VR. It's time to play some Iron Man VR. 
Um, VR can be kind of silly. You know, you put on the headset and if you're on the outside looking at a person playing VR, it can look kind of silly. When you add to that your air conditioner going out and the guy <laughs> playing VR is playing in his underpants. Yeah. Um, As it was meant to be played. I'm not a big guy, but I, I'm pleasantly plump, right? So you got a middle-aged, kind of chubby guy in the middle of his living room in his undies flying around as Iron Man. Felt a little embarrassed. America, uh, <laughs> America. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's right. We're, we're uh, something to be proud of. As for the game, I'm really interested to hear how you feel being so excited about the ramp up to this game. I like Iron Man VR. I it's it's kind of a mess in the sense that there's a lot of jank and um ugliness, but at the same time every 5 to 10 minutes you get this holy crap I'm Iron Man feeling mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is amazing like when you when you just have those moments of cruising and switching to your heat seeking missiles and then going to your your uh whatever your palm blaster things are it can be an amazing feeling once you get immersed the problem is iron man vr is surrounded by so much meh in between those moments that i'm just I'm just kind of underwhelmed by this game as a whole. Um, like, like I said, the, the the moment the moment the combat is great. Like the combat moments where you're where you're firing off your rockers and your blasters and your repulsor rays can be so thrilling and engrossing. And having all that heads up display stuff is super awesome. Um, but then the last the last mission that I played is the Shanghai City, mm. and the gra- the graphics on this level, yeah, woof. Like it, it, it's like I'm inside of a Nintendo 64 game. It's just bad. Um, and I find like that's kind of been my experience with this game is a lot of really cool. And then a lot of like, what is this? Mm-hmm. So I, I haven't had a ton of time with it. So I'm interested to, to hear how much you've put in and if it gets better or if at least those grand moments kind of override those moments of being underwhelmed i think this is iron man vr is a very very good game trapped on the playstation 4 yeah trapped inside architecture that can't handle the ambition of this game um it breaks my heart to think that this will never be a pc game i hope i'm wrong i hope it does get to pc at some point i don't think it will but I've never been more hopeful that a game will get a patch for PlayStation 5 because <laughs> this game deserves to get patched. It deserves the beefier horsepower under the hood. I'd love to get a graphics patch and the load times. Yeah. Oh, they are brutal, brutal on this game. And in VR, load times are so much harder because when you see a, a, a little indicator on your screen saying loading 20% and it's ticking up ever so brief, uh, slowly, you can pull out your phone, you can do something, you can gra- you know grab something, look, look at, at anything world. else. When you're in VR, you are trapped looking at the 
loading screen sit there. And this game, let me, let me tell you a little something that happens in this game very early on. A little spoiler for the very first thing that happens in this game, which is really cool. You are flying on Tony Stark's, you are Tony Stark, flying on his jet. And bad stuff starts happening outside the jet. And it rips a hole in the side of the plane. And what do you got? Well, you got your briefcase with the Iron Man armor. So, of course, Tony takes a flying leap, or the, the briefcase goes sliding out of the plane, sucked out of the plane. So Tony takes off his uh, seatbelt and goes leaping off after it. And you have that cool, iconic thing where you're falling crazily through the air, and then you reach out your hand as, as Tony calls for his suit, and the glove attaches on your right hand. Then the glove attaches on your left hand. Then the chest piece comes flying through the sky and attaches to your chest. All of this happening in VR. It's so cool. You're falling. You see clouds. You feel like this sensation of speed and amazingness. The plane is behind you. You can turn around and look. And it's falling away from it. And you feel like you're flying through the air. And then this, the cool armor comes out of nowhere, shooting onto your body, assembling itself. And the last piece is the face. And there's this cool soundtrack. It's like, da 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 And you're like, I'm a superhero. This feels amazing. And here comes the, the final piece, the the cowl the headpiece the mask and it comes on and it slams onto your face and then loading loading <laughs> loading 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 we go from horns and and brass section feeling awesome i just got the thing i just got the thing and here comes the thing and here comes the mask and boom boom boom, boom. i am I- oh wait i got to wait how long do i have to wait I have to wait this. Still waiting. I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting. Hmm. I have never been more ready for the PlayStation 5's promise of no loading times in my life. And and unfortunately, loading times are frequent and always very long in this game. And it kills it. It kills the momentum. Uh, And you're right. Graphically, it is all over the place. There are moments that look super cool. You stand in front of your armor inside Tony Stark's workshop with AI walking around you. uh, And you can customize your suit by like adding rocket. You get each arm. You can customize your loadout. You can customize your chest loadout. You can change the paint job on the Iron Man armor and unlock new paint. All of that looks awesome awesome it's you're looking at it right up close and it looks so cool and it's gleaming in the light and it's just rad but then yeah you're right there's stuff like the shanghai level which you said looks like n64 you're not exaggerating it is i could not believe it and it just feels like if we had a playstation 5 version of this game if they just waited and put this on playstation 5 i feel like it would be so much better because as you also mentioned the combat is brilliant and it's not even just the combat it's the control scheme Mm -hmm. so you you're playing with the the wands the playstation move controllers and you have iron man-esque boosters on your hands so if you can remember that that scene in whatever Iron Man movie that was, one or two, where he's in his workshop and he starts levitating. He puts on the gloves and he starts levitating, pushing, you know, the jets shoot out of his palms and he's levitating and he's fl- flying around his workshop and crashing into things. And it's like half Robert Downey Jr. and half, you know, robot uh, Iron Man su- suit. 
Um, it's that's how you control it. You literally put your hands palm down and propel yourself flying through the world. And if you want to make a right turn, you put your right arm out and shoot the 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 propulsion farther to your right, and so it makes you do a left turn. I may have said that wrong, but anyway, you get the idea. You're you're moving your hands out to create propulsion, which is the coolest feeling ever because you're you really feel like you're flying you really feel like what iron man must feel like and there's a level of skill that i think it would be so great to get like really great at this game there are every level that you play you can once you complete it you can unlock it as a, a form of a time trial to like really get your skills up and man the like the the high skill player at this game i was getting pretty decent but i feel like the skill ceiling for this game is really high because okay so you're you have your palm down your your two palms down to propel yourself you you know push them closer to parallel to the ground you gain altitude push them back behind you you gain speed push them out to the side you do turns that's the that's how you you know fly through the air but also you put your palms all the way forward you're doing your repulsor blasts from your from your palms, but you then twit, uh, tilt your wrists down and have your your you know your wrists forward like an Iron Man really would, and rockets come up out of your forearms and you can shoot rockets and all these loadouts are changeable. You can unlock new weapons and stuff, and it's freaking awesome. You're you're shooting with your pulse rays, then shooting rockets, and you know you can do fist attacks and melee attacks and do these cool ground pound moves. All of that feels incredible. And if the visuals and the loading times could keep up with the ambition and the the design of the controls, this would be an incredible game. But sadly, it, it just doesn't. It just feels really bad. There's also like all the enemies are drones, yeah. which gets a little tiring after a while. I want to fight like I want to fight some some super villains man i, I, wanna fight. I mean there's boss fights for avengers as well it's like ooh, how many robot baddies am i gonna be <laughs> am i gonna be yeah battling? yeah and i mean the game is fairly short you go back over to you know um locations multiple times it, it just the level of ambition i think didn't match the ability for them to deliver this and i feel like if it had been a playstation 5 game perhaps they would have been able to make it look like it deserves to look because it feels great it is so cool if it, if there was a pc version of this that i could play on my index if there was a playstation 5 version of this it just feels like it would be such a home run and right now it is it is not it, it i agree with you adam that it is mostly a disappointment except that it's brilliant in so many ways yeah it seems like it gets in its own way so many times to just work against that, like you said, that momentum. And I was yeah. thinking about, I was thinking about the gameplay of it and how it takes, it takes a lot of time to kind of get adjusted to, and even when you think you're you know good at it, you end up crashing a lot. And I kind of wondered if this game wouldn't have been better if they would have sacrificed a little bit of the agency of being able to, um, fly exactly how you want and made it more of like a on rails kind of experience. Because, I disagree with that a hundred percent, but go ahead. 
Well, my, my thinking is even when you're doing well and performing in this game, a lot of the environments are very open or like even the Shanghai where you're in the city, it's very open and the, the cosmetics and the environments are kind of inconsequential. And when I think of like the Iron Man movies, some of the greatest moments are when you're like bobbing and weaving through, uh, through bridges or tunnels or whatever. And I wonder if the game, cause I never feel like, you know, like, like with Spider-Man PlayStation four, it's so effortless and you always, always feel awesome no matter what you're doing. Whereas in Iron Man, it seems like those moments are fleeting of, Oh yeah, I'm Iron Man. And there's so many moments of, of the jank or the, of, of, or, or just like not being able to precisely do what I want to do. I mean, I, I think you're right that the game has some jank. I don't think that I would describe the combat system as being one of those things. I, I love the fact that you want to be Iron Man. You have to pull it off. Like you have to, you can do all those things. You can bob and weave through all that stuff. You can, you know, outpace a, a bad guy, spin 180 degrees, blast it in the face, go underneath it, punch it. You can do all that stuff. It's it's accomplishable, but you have to actually get good. It has a skill ceiling and you have to do it. You have to physically do it. It's not just, you know, your button presses like Spider-Man. It's you have to physically do all those things. Move your hands like Iron Man would. And I love, I, I mean, that's one of the things I love about VR is that I'm doing the thing that is almost a one-to-one representation of what my fantasy of doing the thing is. You know, I don't, I fantasize about Spider-Man not because I fantasize about pushing X to, to jump off a wall. It's because I fantasize about putting my arm up and grabbing a, a web and swinging. And there are plenty of VR games that let you do that. And it feels amazing. And I think that's what's, so cool is that that fantasy of being Iron Man is really well represented. Uh, and because it's well represented, it actually takes some skill to pull off all those things. And that's what I love about it. I want it to, I want there to be like this amazing difference between somebody that plays the game for an hour and somebody that plays the game for 10 hours. Like that's really cool to me. Uh, I don't know if that's the case with Spider-Man, right? I don't think that there's right. that much of a difference, right? There is kind of, but it's not to the extent that I think is possible here. And, One thing um, that is really impressive with this game, and I haven't figured it out, is you know something that's very well documented with PSVR is how bad it is at tracking. I can play Iron Man and turn completely around, put my hands facing away from my PlayStation camera, and it somehow never seems to lose me. Is this? Have you had this experience? where I feel like no matter which way I'm turning or facing, I never get that recalibration of, or you're out of the gameplay zone that I get in so many other games. And it's kind of, it's kind of remarkable. Well, it should be putting up those big arrows on either side of your view. If you turn away 180 degrees or, from the camera, yeah, it'll say face the face of this or face yeah. of that. But like in the, in like the tutorial where you're above the ocean, for example, and they're having you shoot targets all around you. I never have any loss of tracking for that. And it's, mm. it's pretty crazy. Well, they encourage you to use the buttons to turn yeah. the, yeah, the snap turns. Um, so I, I hadn't experienced that, but um, I think, I, I mean, there are ways that the camera is trying to guess base or the uh, system is trying to guess where your hands are in that point in that situation. But it's uh, encouraging to hear that it does a pretty good job, mm-hmm. but I, I just wish, you know, 
I hope that PlayStation 5 continues to support PlayStation VR. And I hope that games like this that are just a victim of, uh, you know, an underpowered system pushing VR. I'm on a PlayStation Pro as well. I'm not PlayStation 4 Pro. So I just think PlayStation 5 is going to allow for these kinds of games to really look more like like Half-Life, you know, which is the new standard from my perspective. Speaking of Half-Life, Christian, how is your Half-Life uh, situation? Are you able to play it at, at all? You too. This game. <laughs> um, so, you know, there's been patches, and I moved, and I waited, and the Quest had a patch where now you can use just the cable that came with your Quest to do um, Link. What is it called? Um, yeah, Oculus Link. Oculus Link. Thank you. I was thinking like Steam Link. I'm like That's not it. Um, to do Oculus Link, but I, I had bought the Anchor cable that they recommended before they released their $80 official cable, and it had worked great for every other game I had tried it with. And then for whatever reason, um, playing Half-Life Alex, I'd get like five minutes, 10 minutes, at most 15 minutes in, and this thing would happen where uh, it, it would freeze up in my headset, but if I'd look at like my monitor, it would still be responding, but it when it read you like if i turned my head i could still see everything but in the headset itself like i could see what was right in front of my face but then everywhere i turned just kind of like paint black there as like the world and detail just kind of disappeared and then i looked at my monitor it was tracking me accurately and i could see everything but if i put my hands in a place where i should be interacting with something it wouldn't register that interaction it was very very frustrating um so much so that the, you know i started to just have an aversion to the game. Um, and I didn't, anyway, so I waited for these patches. I tried it again here recently and the same thing happened. And it's so frustrating because it happens like, and even if it's five minutes in, it's like, oh, I, it's working. And then it's like, oh, this is, oh, and it happened. So I think I texted you, Jeff, about it and, and, and how angry it was making me. And I was like, I've already given this game so much. <laughs> you know, I just want to be done with it. And I did submit it for a, a refund and Steam politely replied, it's like, look, you know, you've only played this for 15 minutes, but you've also owned it for like three months. So we're not going to give you a refund. And I was like, dear uh, Mr. and Mrs. Steam, I respectfully understand why you're telling me that. Um, so I was still frustrated. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go for it. I bought virtual desktop and I sideloaded so I could do all the things wirelessly. Quick sidebar. Like, it's not hard Virtual desktop by itself is not hard. Very easy. And, and it looks and works great. But to be able to play VR games through other VR libraries, you have to sideload. And like, I get it. As a, if you have, if you build a gaming PC, you're probably more tech savvy than maybe someone who just plays on consoles. And if you have a VR headset, you're already in another niche. Um, and if you're looking to get virtual desktop, you're probably further in that niche. And while it was not hard, to sideload and to get virtual desktop and be able to launch VR games wirelessly through it. It's not, it wasn't quick either. If that made sense. Like I was following multiple websites instructions <laughs> to, to make sure that I was doing this properly and to get this all loaded in and, and have it up and running. So I do that moment of truth, dude, flawless, flaw, less wow so i don't i don't know if it's like i don't know if like my my usb 3.0 
port on my tower isn't doesn't have enough throughput or something or the i've tried the cable that it came with and then of course i was trying the anchor cable that i bought that um oculus said would work so i'm not sure if it was that that cable wasn't working or maybe it was something on the headset itself i also took my headset all the way down to a factory reset because unrelated or maybe related it would do this thing that i'd read other people's quests were dealing with too where it would like just sit on the three loading dots um when i would turn it on like infinitely it seemed like if i walked into another room sometimes that would trigger out of it and it'd be like oh hey we don't recognize this play space Do you want to set up a guardian but if i was like in the place where i played it it would just sit there forever um so i had to i, I took it all the way all the way down and, and reset it reboot it the cables no dice virtual desktop flawless i'm so excited i'm in the game i try a bunch of other games and i'm like i'm gonna start playing half-life alex here we go um Man, Jeff, I'm so sorry. I do not like it. You're lying. No. I know. I'm this so sorry. I tried so hard. <laughs> you don't like the game? I'm partway through chapter three, and I find it just very not great. <laughs> of course. Of course. I know. I felt so bad. I literally took the headset off after like being able to play that first 90 minutes or whatever it is to get there. And I walk down and see my wife and she's like, what's the matter? And I'm like, I don't like Half-Life Alex. <laughs> I don't know. You like, have to complete the game, dude. You have to keep playing it. It's, it's so, dude. So let me, let, let's dive in. Let's dive in just a little bit. I know. I feel we awful. We don't have time for this. Let's dive in just a little bit. <laughs> Welcome to 2020. Um, <laughs> Can't so believe like, I'm going to be on the last episode of DLC. Yeah, it's a bummer. It's a bummer. It's all come down to this. Here's, here's my struggle. Okay. So one, I mean, from previous impressions of my five minutes with it before when the link cable wasn't working and someone in the chat was telling me that the beta desktop and link beta, like I might need to change that, whatever virtual desktops working. Well, maybe I'll tinker more if it stops working. I need to try to use the cable again. Um, it's beautiful and stunning. And you know, the amount of detail in this VR world is phenomenal. Uh, and so then I think the problem is me because I cannot get this game in a control scheme that i like so i i went like default easy you're, you're comfortable oh, well, or that's whatever. not the, not liking the game is that no no you, it is though <laughs> because i find the i i can't i don't enjoy playing the game so the the easy control or comfort control scheme is like teleporting in like 45 degree turns or whatever like whatever and playing in that method is so incredibly frustrating because you can't just like walk backwards. Like, oh, I don't know. Here come a bunch of enemies and I need to create a little bit of space. I can't walk backwards. I got to turn, 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 jump, turn, 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 aim. Oh, great. They're right on me again. Cool. That stinks. Or here's this box. Christian, Christian, put your hand behind you and push forward and you will teleport behind you. You don't have to turn, turn, turn. You don't have to be facing where, where you're teleporting. Going. Well, if you were backing up, would you know how, where you were going? More so than just teleporting back 10, 20 feet. Did you, have you tried playing the game? Uh, yes, so with... I'll get to that. I'll get to that. Okay. So then the that, You part... don't have to turn, turn, turn to teleport. Put your hand behind you and, and do the hold... teleportation motion. Yeah, hold backwards. Not great. That's not intuitive. It's not great. It's... What do you mean it's not intuitive? All right, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. 
Because when you teleport the other way, it clearly it shows you where your feet are and how far you teleport. And you but you're control. attempting to move into a position that you're not looking at. Right, but I, I don't – You can also just I, turn your head 180 degrees or just turn in your – what do you mean? You don't have to turn, 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 snap, turn. Just spin around. Well, I'm trying to play the way you play with my feet planted. No, well, you're in the quest. I know. You side-loaded. You have no cords? I have no cords. So the other annoying thing about teleporting Oh, my is, God. This is the Christian won't leave his home planet of VR. No, I really wish I liked this game. The other annoying thing about teleporting <laughs> is like – so you go to unlock a crate, and of course you, it's not just a crate. This, this hologram comes out, and I need to like align this stuff within this stuff to do the thing <laughs> because somehow giving me an annoying unlock minigame, which haven't been fun in games for a very long time, but now because I'm doing it with my hand, it's more fun. Uh, but I can't get in the stupid position to do it because the teleport is like I'm five feet away, two feet away. Now I'm in it. Okay. Well, I, now I see what the puzzle is. I got to back up a little bit. Well, now I'm 10 feet away again. Okay. Well, that's annoying. Okay. Now I'm five feet away. Now I'm Christian, turning. You can move the puzzle, reach out with your hand and grab it and move it wherever you want. I know, but you I don't just, have to, you don't have to position yourself to it. It, it to can get be it initially, I do to get it initially. I do. If you teleport inside it, grab it, teleport anywhere you want. But then I still have to be able to see it while I manipulate it. it. What? I still have to be able to see it as I manipulate it. I can't be inside it. it in your hand and move it around. In my hand? It's it's like (laughs) room-sized. I got to stream me playing, and then I'll just give you an anonymous thing as I do this. It's like like talking to my toddler. That was super frustrating (laughs) me. Super, super frustrating. So then I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go... Just full smooth motion control. Here we go. Giddy up. Are we going to talk about nausea now? Dude, it's not the way to play the game either. Because then as you're like walking over hills and stuff, it's like it has it's, – it's such a weird feeling to like – now i got to step up on this platform. Well, I'm not stepping up. I'm still walking through it. And then it's like, now you're on it. Like the weird disconnect of sensation. So like <laughs> I eventually did start feeling nauseous because I played in that mode for long enough. But it's still, right. it's, it's, not, it's not good. It's a bad approximation for how you move in 3D space. The, it'd be better like the void style thing. We can actually feel it. And I get that you love this game, Jeff, and you will defend it. And I think you should. And I'm not I think saying- your your points are ridiculous. I would I could be I would buy I don't like this game, but I don't know how to play this game. No, it feels I know like how a to weird. Play it. It, it doesn't control well. It, <laughs> okay. I've played numerous VR video games and numerous other video games, and this game suffers from what a lot of other early VR games suffered from that tried to recreate a traditional first person shooter style game within VR. And I don't think that VR has conquered the uh, the best game to do it is um, Lone Echo because they fundamentally changed how you navigate through a space. And Christian, it did, you are in a, you are in a quest. Interact with the in world a, like I'm not a human on a being. Football field, but you don't. You can walk around. You can walk short distances. You can move. You don't have to like. <laughs> I do walk. You don't have to. But I'm 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 in an I'm in an I'm in an office that has I have space. But it's not unlimited space. And if I walk a short distance, I got to remember where I am in my space so I don't. But you're slap describing into my these this, these constraints that aren't constraints. They're, the game isn't imposing those constraints on you. You are. No, when I walk, you're, you're up talking a hill, about oh, I, I teleport I into the up, thing and then I'm out of the thing. It, it couldn't be more simple how to interact with things in the game. I it's, disagree. It, I think the control schemes are are flawed, and I, I still don't think that 
a VR game that tries to become tr- tries to mimic a traditional game that bringing that control scheme into a VR space handles it well. And I think you've seen games shortcut it or do other methods that are far more effective. Again, I'll mention Lone Echo. I'll also mention what was the the uh, Starship Troopers game on PSVR? Uh, Farpoint. Farpoint, yes. And so it wasn't as deep or rich or detailed, but because the way it kind of had you on lanes and moving throughout this world, those hill climbs and stuff weren't a traditional first person shooter thing where I'm like climbing over a crate or walking over and around varied height elevation through a level it, it to me again this is just my opinion and I realize that people love this game and I don't think they are wrong I do not think well, you are wrong for loving do you this think game. that do you think that you would have heard anyone make these same uh, criticisms if anyone had ever run into these problems before you <laughs> I haven't I, I mean I don't seek out other I think there are plenty of people that don't think that they don't put the game in as high regard as I do. There are a lot of people who do put the game as high regard as I do, but there are plenty of people that don't. I just haven't heard anybody make these particular criticisms because I, I, I think, I don't think that you approached the interaction with this world in a way. I think you were trying to sort of approach it like a video game. And it, no, it, I mean, I'm just, just I'm, play it like it's the, the real world around you. And it all does what you I want. I guess I don't do. have that much space. I mean, I was literally playing in an empty living room. And I, maybe, so I think it's, it's the realities of what VR is. I'm nervous as I'm walking that I'm going to run into a wall or run into something. And I, I lose track of where I am in my actual space. And my the little guard will pop up or whatever. But that doesn't tell me where I am. And now I need to like reorient myself back to the middle of the room. I can't just walk around and interact in my space. And I also, and I think these are limitations of VR that while Half-Life Alex pushes the genre forward, I think it's something that still fundamentally holds it back in my opinion for the the gaming experiences i like the puzzle miles mild spoiler the end of chapter two at the very end of chapter two there's a very to call it a puzzle is an overstatement there is a puzzle um and it's pushing buttons it's not great it's it's this weird disconnect again where it's like i'm not and maybe it's different on an index because it's more tactile but it's like i don't my, my finger like goes awkwardly through it and like on it and it doesn't it doesn't connect well. It doesn't feel good. That being said, shooting your gun and pulling ammo from your backpack and clipping it in and hitting X to to drop the clip and Y to reload the chamber, like that feels cool. That feels awesome. But interacting with puzzles as like your hand kind of oddly floats through space and doesn't connect with them and tap them right and make that tactile connection is, is another element of like, this game isn't doing this right. Using your grab gloves to fling things to you, awesome. Feels great. Using both hands to move a big, heavy uh, a crate in front of you, feels awful. And it kind of flumbles and, and flurries around and then like tumbles off somewhere. Like, I, I don't feel like I'm lifting this crate. It feels like a bad approximation for a video game in a virtual space. And so I think what I'm realizing, and I'm not trying to offend you, what I think I'm realizing is that I'm super excited for star Wars squadron. Cause I think it will do what I like in VR better. And I enjoy something like pistol whip far more than I'm ever going to enjoy a game like half-life Alex in VR. I, I think that type of experience I'd rather play on a flat screen 
with uh, an interactions that I think are best fit for moving around that space or taking it full void where I actually have that full sensory connection of what this thing is. I, I just don't know. I guess I and totally, totally valid. I am just air quote playing it wrong. Totally valid. But like I, I tried just, everything with this game, and I well, just I, had I no appreciate fun. that. And, and I and I'm and I'm. It just makes me sad. Me too. Because I know what the experience is. What's your favorite movie, Christian? Ooh, that's a tough question. Well, I don't just know. Say a movie that you like. I mean, I really like The Dark Knight. I think it's a very okay. Fun Dark Knight. Movie. So it, this is like you saying, Jeff, you have to see The Dark Knight, and then I I I go, Christian. I didn't like it. And you go, what? Why? And I go, well, the bathrooms at the theater were so far from my seat and I couldn't, I tried to push the door open and it kind of stuck. And I was really frustrated by that. That that's to me, that's, it's like, you didn't even get to the movie. Like the movie is the thing. The controls and the interface is, is the game. I I know. I understand that. that. I I'm not disputing that the controls are a big part of the game, but I feel like, your your experience feels to me atypical. Maybe it is not. Maybe I'm clouded and deluded and idealistic about that. It feels to me atypical. And it also feels to me like you you were really pushing against stuff that should have been, you should have just sort of, I wish you had been able to let it sort of just be intuitive and not and not overthink it. And I feel like you were squeezing the rock. You know what I mean? Squeezing the rock to get some water out of it when it's just like, just hold the rock gently in your hand. <laughs> you know I, I'm saying? I very well may have been. And I think part of it is I, I wish I had your VR legs. Like, and I, I don't know if it just doesn't affect you the same way or you've spent so much more time in that it feels better to you. But I, I think the jumping around, I wasn't enjoying the game that way. I felt totally comfortable playing it, but I found like getting in the spot that I wanted to be in problematic using the teleportation. I feel like the game well, I was, never even attempted the teleportation in the game. So I, perhaps right. I, and, am, and I feel like the game wasn't necessarily designed for it. Where like, I, I want to see what no. this thing on the wall says, but I can't get myself in the spot to be there. You, you just point at the spot you want to teleport to. Right. It's not, it's not rocket science to figure out how far away you're going to teleport. Right. Right. But you're, but you're sitting there holding an analog. You're moving it forward. It's, it's not elegant. Just point at the ground. No, it's not pointing at the ground. That's not how you do it. It's not, you, it's not, you move the thing forward and it gives you a reticle about where you're going to land, right? Yeah. Point the reticle where you want to land. Right. That's not super elegant. Is what I'm saying. Okay. Because right. then you jump there and then you jump there and you're like, where am I? Is this, is this, am I now viewing this at the correct angle that I want to be seeing this? Oh, this is too close. I can't see this part of this thing. I didn't know so how to take a step back in your living room. <laughs> That's all I'm saying is I feel like you are. Cre- creating these issues to, to, for yourself. And I, I, it makes me sad because I, uh, it makes me sad. I, I, I have talked to so many people who are just, just enamored with the, it's like, it's like talking about last of us two and getting bogged down in the menu system. It's like, okay, maybe the menu system is not ideal, but it's most of us are talking about the story here. You know what I'm saying? That's well, like, I, I, I just, it makes I'd me sad that we can't have a, the story of, of half life. Yeah. The other problem is smooth motion. It, it, it makes me nauseous. Like, yeah I, I get it i get it i get it. it it happens to people and it's hard it's it's a bummer it's a bummer and it's a bummer that that's continues to be the story for vr just a and bummer then, and then my last point to it that i think of what it's 
doing at least in the limited part that I've played, it feels very much like a VR game in terms of its combat encounters. And I know there's some other stuff later that I've you know heard, heard teased, but like the way things move at you and the, the speed of it and where they come from, and again, only like partway into chapter three or whatever it is. Um, it's it's not what the game would have been if it wasn't in VR, and I don't think it's the best game. <laughs> Fair enough, uh, Adam. I'm sorry you had to be here for the the parents uh, ha- working on uh, some issues in the marriage, but hey, it's man. okay. It's That's, okay. It happens. Yeah, it happens. It happens. We, the important thing is we all love each other. Indeed, indeed, and uh, I appreciate you giving a shot, Christian. I I um, it makes me profoundly sad that maybe i'm just... too afraid of just running into stuff even in an almost empty living room i'm afraid of running i want to see you play. i just don't run around that much when i i don't run around either i don't run around but i also don't like i don't have any issue going where i need to go or interacting with where i need to I, I i'm using smooth movement and it doesn't affect me but i also don't i mean the experience of like going up and down hills is not something that i would say happens a lot in that game maybe i don't know it, it is uh, it is unfortunate and it's a bummer to me. And, and, you know, it just reinforces. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this who are applauding and saying, see, Jeff, see. Uh, and uh, and to that, I say um, I'm disappointed and sad um, because uh, this this the narrative of this is the one that I think is the biggest impediment to more games like this being made. And it bums me out that this narrative is continues. And um well, it's not a narrative. I, I'm, not trying, I'm not trying to invalidate what you're saying at all. I, I really am not. You, you're, you're talking about your experience, honestly. Um, and it bums me out that, that I shouldn't say narrative. I should say your experience. I'm sad that your experience is one that continues for people because I didn't have that experience. Yes. And I, I wish that your experience is mine. Uh, Jake's 32 says, if you can't do smooth movement, VR will never be for you. you Maybe that's right in the larger sense, but I think there are several, like I, I love Tetris effect and I love pistol whip. I love beat saber. Um, I love Moss. I think it's kind of like my learning PVP versus story game for flat screen gaming. I think I just need to learn what type of gamer I am in VR. And it bums me out that this game that you and so many other people love so much, I find difficult to get into. Yeah. It bums me out too. All right. Well, you know, it doesn't bum me out. It's our final sponsor, Brooklinen. Uh, Brooklinen. Oh, my gosh. Brooklinen is about making small changes for your lifestyle that have big effect. You know, if you wake up five minutes earlier each week. You can end up turning an 8 a.m. wake up into a 630 a.m. wake up. Uh, your meatless Monday can be turned into vegetarianism. That's the kind of thing that Brooklyn is talking about. A towel turns a bathroom into a spa. Yeah. Your bedding turns your bed into a retreat. And now more than ever, as we're all staying home, we want our homes to feel like retreats, like luxury. And I'm telling you, my Brooklyn and Sheets do just that for me. I'm so excited. Um, I, I should be getting a Brooklyn and towel very soon. I can't wait to try it. But because I love my Brooklyn and Sheets so much, a lot of people do. They have over 50,000 five-star reviews and counting. They're basically the internet's favorite sheets. But they also have bedding, loungewear, towels, so much more. 
this is truly something that has improved my life. I am not even exaggerating at all. Brooklinen has improved my sleep, which is something I'm so grateful for. Brooklinen was the very first direct-to-customer bedding company. And why is that important? It's because they cut out the middleman. They allow this luxury type experience without the luxury markup. You can get these incredible sheets that really feel like you're slipping into a resort type of bed without that crazy resort type bedding price. Uh, They have silk eye masks, robes, furniture even, uh, all these little details to make a big upgrade in your life. So brooklinen.com, the perfect place to start making little changes that make big differences. And Brooklinen is so confident in their products that all of their sheets, comforters, loungewear, and towels come with a lifetime warranty. Wow. Lifetime warranty. So go on, make yourself comfortable. Get 10% off your first order and free shipping when you use promo code DLC only at brooklinen.com. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com. Promo code DLC gets you 10% off your first order and free shipping. Brooklinen, everything you need to live your most comfortable life. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for those. But Adam, Leonard, thank you so much for being here, uh, even uh, putting up with that last segment. I appreciate you. I appreciate (laughs) you very much. Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure to be uh, invited back, guys. Thank you. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, It's always great talking to you. Where can folks uh, find more of your work online? Um, I run a video game website, entertainment website called Megadads. It's megadads.org, where we cover everything geek, culture, and gaming related from the perspective of old farts like me who uh, grew up gaming and now are raising little gamers ourselves. Um, if you would allow me just a moment to talk about, we are, we are doing a fundraiser. Yeah. Last time I was last time I was on the show with you guys, it was following um, a pretty horrific um, incident of gun violence in the country. And the three of us had a very uh, deep and meaningful conversation, which is, a, you know, I, I podcast a lot, but that was that was a podcast that really sat with me. And at the end of it, uh, I went upstairs from the office and I spoke with my wife and it it, 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 your, your words of let's think about what we put out into the world really sat with me. And so I spoke with my brother, John, who I run mega dads with, and we, we sat and we talked and we strategized what we now call mega dads outreach. And throughout the year, every year now we do initiatives, um, for causes that we think are important. We just did a, uh, a online everybody's golf tournament for COVID relief over Father's Day weekend. And next weekend, we are doing what we call Rock to End Gun Violence. It is an all-day rock band for Marathon, and we're raising money for every town for gun safety. And the deal is, for every $5 we raise, we're going to play, we're going to rock for 10 minutes. And we're, <laughs> currently, we're currently at $350 raised, uh, and our goal is 400 And, you know, we're a small organization. We have modest uh, ambitions. But even a little bit of good, if, if everybody does a little bit of good, uh, then I think we can really make an impact. So if anybody is interested in helping us with that or watching the stream, just go to megadads.org slash outreach. And all of the information is there as far as how you can watch us, 
um, and how you can contribute and all of the other things that we do throughout the year for our outreach program. And I really thank you guys because you um, you lit a fire under my butt. And um, this is something important that John and I really want to make um, kind of a pillar of what we do at Mega Dads. That's awesome. Wow. That's incredible and inspiring. Really wonderful to hear. And I would love it if the DLC community made you guys rock until your fingers bleed. You know what I'm saying? Like, make these guys rock. Uh, go in and uh, throw, throw them some, some money for a great cause and make them, make them work to earn it. It would be really wonderful if uh, DLC listeners uh, rallied to that cause as well. It's really uh, admirable, and I'm so glad that, uh, that we helped in any small way to, to make that happen. That's really cool. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week? Starting on Tuesday, the official The Last of Us podcast begins our discussion of The Last of Us Part 2. I'm really looking forward for people to hear those conversations. I think they're absolutely incredible conversations I got to have with people, um, you know, who put so much of their life into the game and um, a game that resonated with me on so many levels as well. So I'm excited for those episodes to be finally coming out. I was fortunate to play the game a long time ago <laughs> now. I think it's really cool that these conversations were recorded before the game was released, right? Before anybody had really played it or given their feedback, right? Because it feels more, it feels like a, a view into a time before they even had, um, you know, that kind of negativity we're talking about, but also any of the, any feedback, right? It's this raw kind of beautiful snapshot of a moment in time. And I think it's, I think that's really amazing that that you were able to capture that. Yeah, I don't think I'm getting in trouble for saying what I'm about to say. I haven't uh, listened to the final edits, but I, I've seen much of the edits. Um, but yeah, we were, we, you know, like I said, I played this a, a while ago. I was fortunate to be able to do that. We had these conversations, many of them a while ago. We, we did a few, you know, continued conversations a, a little closer to when these are going to be coming out. Um, but in terms of, uh, you know, Earth One, Earth Prime's timeline or whatever Earth we're on, um no, it, it ain't prime bro <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it comes with free shipping um <laughs> it was after the leaks so there right, was right, you know, right. some blowback already um for erroneous right. stuff i think largely but yeah really really cool and i i, I think you know i got to give a lot of credit to naughty dog and the people who took their time to talk about it and you know knowing that this is going to be a big game and we talk about it uh on on the show i think it, it makes some of the episodes but like they knew what they were doing with this game, right? Like it, it, it's, it's a, yeah. it's a, there was a no last of us two is a divisive yeah. game, I think. And yeah. intentionally so. Bold. So those conversations Bold. start, start Tuesday, uh, the official last, the last of us podcast. And, um, I'm going to keep trying half. I feel bad. You don't have to dude. I don't want to make you feel bad. I just, I'm just sad. Me too. I'm just sad. You just Me saw, too. you just broke my, my little heart. Oh, well, you know? I feel bad too because I remember I was texting. I'm like, I got it working. I'm so excited. Yeah, I know. You're no, playing the nemesis. You're playing the nemesis too well, buddy. <laughs> and I'll be wearing. So heated, be... I took off five of my masks. <laughs> yeah, see that? Look, he's got orifices exposed. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we don't want. Nobody wants that. Um, anything else, Christian? Are you Are you good? I'm good. Okay. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Canada, which is spelled with two N's and one T. I have uh, f- several other shows, including a movie and TV review show this week. Well, I won't even tell you. We're doing something I'm going to talk about in my parting gift. Um, 
You can find that, uh, it's called the Slash Filmcast. You can find it at slashfilmcast.com. I also do the comedy science show called We Have Concerns. Anthony Carboni, you can find that at wehaveconcerns.com. Just did a fun, we just watched Cannonball Run 2 with our community out there. That was a wild night. Uh, and I do the Dungeon Run, my live play, long form Dungeons and Dragons show. Uh, you can jump in on any episode of that show and more and more people are. I keep getting emails of people like, I put it off and put it off and now I'm, I love it. I can't believe how great I'm enjoying it. Be one of those people. Check it out. I'm so proud of the Dungeon Run. You can find it uh, on YouTube by searching for The Dungeon Run. You can listen to it as an audio podcast. Works great as an audio podcast. You can find that by searching for The Dungeon Run wherever you get podcasts. Or you can watch us live as we record Wednesday nights, 6 p.m. Pacific time at caffeine.tv slash The Dungeon Run. All right. We are another marathon episode. There's two in a row of the longest show ever. Uh, but we will wrap things up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. Adam, do you have a recommendation to help people get through their week? I do. I like bad movies. And I don't mean like bad, like garbage, but bad in the sense that you watch with just like a stupid grin on your face and you're like, nah, nah, this ain't happening. And um, I've been looking forward to watching the film Crawl for quite a while. And being a, being a parent, uh, I don't get to see movies very often. So when I saw that Crawl was on Prime Video, I said to my wife, putting the kids to bed and we're going to watch a movie about people getting trapped in a basement with alligators. And this is like just it feels like a 90s film where it's just, you know, really short, like maybe an hour and 20 minutes long. And it just gets you going. It's like, here's a girl. She's trying to save her dad from these alligators. There's a hurricane whole bunch of unbelievable garbage happens. And I just smile and laugh at the nonsense the whole way through. And uh, at the end of the movie, my wife looks at me and she's like, I don't know why there were so many alligators. And I'm like, <laughs> that's the point of the movie. <laughs> so if you like dopey movies, like snakes on a plane, which is like totally my jam, uh, watch crawl. It's, it's a lot of fun, a lot of dumb fun. And that's available on prime video right now, right? Yep. All right crawl christian spicer you got a parting gift i do i did realize there was one other thing that i can't say now but I, one of the other secret things one of the other things there's this one and one other one that i'm aware of um i'll be able to talk about next week it, maybe when you listen to this it's probably already out but i can't talk about it right now um we'll be out so that's fun um uh my parting gift though is not that because i can't i can't talk about it um you're certainly talking about it a lot for now. Well, I'm not talking <laughs> about it anymore. It's my first uh my first novel of the summer that I'm reading is Mexican Gothic. I, I read a review in the Washington Post, I believe, and I was like, well, this is an instant pickup for me. And it is I mean, it could really poop the bed at the end. I'm maybe two years of the way through, but it is phenomenal. And it takes place in nineteen fifties Mexico, uh, Mexico City, and then you venture out kind of into the the countryside. And it is a a ghost story, a spooky story, um, and, and and kind of like reminiscent of like I'm trying to think of the right way to put it, but like Hansel and Gretel of like you know the Grim like it's spooky mm. and, and and odd, and the pieces don't quite line up right, but the writing is really exquisite, and the the, the world and the tapestry of 
kind of what's happening and, and the house doesn't feel right. You know, like from the very mm. beginning, you're like, this isn't where we're supposed to be. And like, why is it so foggy up here? And your entry point, uh, the, the character that brings you into the story is also kind of feeling those things with you. And um, it's a it's a really awesome summary so far. I'm really enjoying it. Again, it is called Mexican Gothic. I believe it's only hardcover and like ebook um, right Very now. Cool. But Sounds I, awesome. I really like it. We got a listener suggested parting gift. This was sent to us by Shareable Texas. I think uh, this person wanted to be referred to as. Um, and this was sent to DLC feedback at gmail.com where you can send your parting gift suggestions if you'd like. Uh, Shareable Texas writes, love the show. I've caught up to everything since 2015 and you've been only getting better and better. I have a parting gift if anyone needs a quick uplifting kick to their day. Some of the most humble, hardworking and friendly people in the games industry are the voice actors. Thought this was particularly poignant today. Uh, oftentimes they will post short videos of themselves playing their characters for fans or some similarly entertaining video where you get to know more about them. Specifically, I watched a video of the Barrett voice actor from Final Fantasy VII Remake sending a message to a fan on behalf of a friend and the fan utterly lost it in joy. Another video showed Aerolith's voice actress watching her character's cutscenes in the church for the first time and she just became overwhelmed with emotion. It's fun to watch people overwhelmed with positive emotion. And it's great to see these wonderful voice actors interact with the community because very often they love this stuff as much as we do. I really encourage people to follow voice acting talent and share their great content. They are often the unsung heroes of projects. Anyway, thank you for everything you both do. It gives me great value in my life. Thank you, Shareable Texas. Uh, pretty good message, especially considering what Laura Bailey's been going through. My parting gift uh, is... Hamilton, which is now on Disney Plus. Now, you don't need me to tell you to watch Hamilton. I'm sure everybody's talking about Hamilton. If you haven't watched it, watch it. If you think, well, it can't possibly be as good as people say, it is. It will blow you away. It's extraordinary. The filmed version on Disney Plus is great. But again, you don't need me to tell you to watch Hamilton. Here's my parting gift for you. Watch Hamilton or watch it again. This time with closed captioning on. Wow. I found that to improve the experience immensely. Uh, obviously, Hamilton has a lot of lyrics coming at you very, very fast. And it everybody is everybody knows it goes. In the room like they know that. Those yeah, are but the to words. see that written out is so much more impressive, <laughs> Christian. Hamilton's, uh, it, it, I get teared up thinking that I'll never create anything nearly as good. It's oh, such a yeah, work few, of art. It's few humans will. It's, it is extraordinary. It's the Michelangelo, you know, like it, yeah. it's, a, it's a statue of David. It's incredible. It's. But I would argue that, uh, you know, I never had the opportunity to see it live. I, I tried the lottery in LA for months and never won. So I never, uh, never got to see it live, but I would argue that having closed captioning on actually improves the experience, even over the live, uh, perhaps, perhaps, uh, because you actually get to see the wordsmithing in vivid, unmistakable reality. Sometimes you, you know, listening to those lyrics and you're like, what exactly did he say? But being able to read them as it's performed is really cool. So even if you've already seen Hamilton, I highly recommend checking it out with the closed captioning on it adds to the experience. The amount of music in that play and how every word matters. It's, yeah, it's uh, it's hard to overstate how incredible a work that is. It's just it's it's a it's a work of genius. Yeah. Um, 
Anyway, that's going to do it for this work of genius, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thank you for listening. We appreciate you. <laughs> I want to thank Adam Leonard and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Uh, I want to thank all of the folks in our live chat for hanging out with us in real time. We appreciate you. Thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L. Sean Madigan and Zero Star for hanging out and giving us those cool uh, bumpers uh, that play in the show. And thank you to you for listening, downloading us, including us in your lives. We're grateful. We will endeavor to earn that position and uh, we are, we are, we will keep rocking as long as we can. Uh, we'll see you next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. <laughs>